Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And who would have thunk it, Boxhead? Episode 250. Yeah. Insanity. It's gone pretty quick. We, uh, we're not really one but for... But it feels m- like it's been a while. Yeah, it feels like a while, but we're not really one for milestones. We didn't really keep a track of 50 and 100 and 150, 200, etc. But you brought it to my well, attention. Well, I knew that I knew that we were close. So last week I thought, sort of thought, well, I'll count and have a look. And sure enough, we were 249. So, yeah, it is a big thing. We'll hit uh, 300 uh, the back end of next year. So I guess that'll be an even bigger milestone. But 250 episodes... When did we, Seven years. We started 2013 from Started memory. 2013, yeah. So yeah. we're into our, what's that? So I was... Seventh season. 23 years old. Yep. Young and fresh. Now I'm almost 30. Yep. <clears throat> Life's over. You're a dad now? Yep. <laughs> Weren't at the start? Well, not that I know of. Yeah, well, same deal over here, but <laughs> I have to see what happens there. But uh, before we even get going, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to yourself, Um for anyone who has listened for the long period of time, I generally go on a massive rant at the end of the year most of the time we finish up. But this whole concept came about with me being an absolute pest about rugby league. Brock, as big a fan, if not bigger fan than rugby league than me, but I just never shut up, as most people have probably figured out by now. And I wanted an outlet. Um, because of Brock listening to some American kind of podcasts, I thought, well, that's not really a big thing here. Maybe we could do one over here. So then we started the fifth and last NRL podcast. And I obviously need someone... Ears to copper bashing. Brock was willing to jump on board, and here we are seven seasons later. So, correct. Uh, this isn't possible without you. And then flipping it around the other way, it's not possible without all the people that tune in and listen every single week. So, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that does listen to the show, does support the show. Um, it's just, like I said, two guys that love rugby league. We both played the game. We now coach and are involved in any way possible. We love being around the game and we love talking football. So, um, it's, it's just that simple. This is the reason we do it. It's the simple things. I just we both love rugby league, so two hundred fifty. Yeah. Hopefully, many more to come. But kicking us off this week, set of six is back, and there's been plenty going on during this week, mostly in the realm. And I know it's not your biggest uh, department, Brock. You're not a huge fan of, but player movement, a lot of talk and speculation going on. But unfortunately, it's, it is part of the game. Keeps well, things. I'm a fan of it, but I wish we could just, I guess, compress it so it yep. happens over a couple of periods during the season because. I'm with you. Know, you. All we heard last week was Dallin's going to West Tigers. Dallin's going to West Tigers. Everyone knew. Everyone had the inside tip, didn't they? And then he goes to the Bulldogs. So I, I just, I'm sick of listening to all the talking heads on TV about how they've got the inside scoop and they know. And a lot of times they get it wrong mm. because they don't know because they're not inside the club. And a lot of the time, player managers are giving them information um, to, I guess, twist clubs' arms and and manipulate. 
Uh, and that's where the game is at the moment. That's what frustrates me about all of it. I like play movement. Play movement's fine, but well, it keeps things I just think over. at this point in the year, yeah, but there, shouldn't play, there shouldn't be player movement unless you're trading. Yeah. So I, I think it. Well, if anything, it just screams for our game to grow up a little bit. To have uh, a you, look, you look at yeah, you look at the NFL and the NBA and those type of leagues. They're not sidetracked at all by any of this sort of business. And unfortunately, we've just put ourselves in a position as a game where we do we get sidetracked. Uh, there's a few yeah. like, at the moment. So. Well, there's plenty we're going to go through, and most of them are during our set of six. And if you are tuning in for the first time, welcome at episode 250. But set of six is anything we want to talk about, basically, to kick yeah. things off. Questions, topics, thoughts, statements. It can be whatever comes to our mind. But the first one, uh, we talked plenty about Origin, obviously, last week. But we're not going to delve too much into teams because there's another week to go. But there's already going to be some changes forced. We know that. The first one being for the Queensland side of things, apparently that deep cut that Offa Hengawi suffered mm. is no way it's going to be healed in time. Yeah. So for their side of things, I guess it's a lot simpler. Um, probably less people to select from, but if you only got to change one player, I guess you're looking at maybe a handful of blokes. Tim Glasby was 18th man, so do you just rotate yeah, him straight Glasby into the middle? In. Yeah. If not, Jared Wallace has really thrown his hand up the last few weeks. You reckon? Yesterday um, he made a shitload of errors. Cohen Hess, I think, has had a better attitude for a week or two, but no, if, he had, if he has Glasby as his 18th, you'd assume that's going to be the change. New South Wales, there's arguments for a couple of players that were in the side. There's arguments because of an injury. The first one that got brought up was Nick Kotrick going out of the side for Tom Trebojevic, who was there last year. I watched that game on the weekend and I still don't think Tom Trebojevic looks 100% healthy, which is a real concern for me. So mm. I wouldn't be going off too early. I can understand why some people think that will be the case. I want to see him play again this week. Exactly. That's what uh, I thought. Because I, even on game. form, Kotrick was better than him on Friday night. He had six errors on the weekend. It definitely looked rusty, but I'm just more concerned about Who are we about talking that? about? Hey, Trebojevic. Trebojevic. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Kotrick was better than... Trebojevic on Friday night at Bank West and what Tom was on Saturday night but up full in stop. Queensland. You can't pick him busted. He's either 100% or he's no, I, not. You can't take him I in. I don't understand. They're, they're saying it's going to be a forced change. Oh, to me, it's I not don't a forced change. How it's a forced change. Um, unless he absolutely kills it this week and shows that his hamstring's 100%. The, the next question I'd like to ask on that is, is, is it a forced change because you lost? No, that's the other question. We were what talking if we about won? Would you drop Kotrick if, you, if they won? Well, no. I don't think they, they wouldn't. wouldn't. So, so that's a question for the selectors. But I think, yeah, there's, there's some trigger. But even now, there's to me, Brad Fittler and the selectors did a great job last year because they didn't talk. Mm. You know, we've just seen, we've just talk. finished up the six o'clock game and Brandy Alexander's on Smile there talking about, about smiling Pearson. and yeah, like, don't get involved in it. Did we learn nothing from the Laurie Daly period mm. where he used to come out and guarantee people positions and just get himself really handcuffed to players and selections? It's just, just shut up. Yeah. Well, Keep the selections to yourselves and just let it play out. And I said this for six weeks heading into the, the Origin Series. Just I don't know why we're picking teams when you don't know who's going to be available. Oh. Now, Luke, Luke Keery was going to be the next best player for New South Wales. You're not even going to strap on a boot for New South Wales this year. Well, fans, you can understand why. Fans get excited. They get yeah. involved with the game. They like to talk about I it. I understand so that. That's the difference. Coaches on a different hand, like you said, you'd rather them not really give it much away. No. But Well, the other, the other one to come out of Origin was the fact that Freddie got on radio on Saturday and said that they nailed the interchanges. Yeah, that was crazy. And also... Paul Kent wrote an article which I thought was really accurate on Saturday saying that this, you know, this is the first time that Freddie's been under pressure, mm. uh, which is fair. Also, because last year they 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 never had a must-win game last year. They won the first two games of the series. It was a dead rubber in Queensland. It's the first time they've lost a game and then had to win the next game in Freddie's tenure and he's now into his fifth game. So this is the most pressure we've seen Brad Fittler under. Uh, he wasn't overly impressive for mine on the footy show yesterday. 
he did, I think, do a good job in that he didn't say too much. Uh, but I think it's more... Brandy got himself in a real pickle on 360. Yeah, that was well, that was after... Kenny came after our, our episode was... Um, was recorded our origin review probably the same time and they, they were doing their origin review and yeah Kenny came after him a little bit and, and Greg Alexander I thought was a little bit smug in parts and yeah Kenny went pretty hard at him and um I thought a, some a, of the questions were fair oh no I thought they were all fair I, I thought in the end Greg Alexander was looking at him going like really well the one I didn't but get he's was, paid to ask the questions yeah. and, and the other one was you know I'm not Freddie's mouthpiece I'm like I get that but you are you're part, part of the selection staff. board you're on the staff so you clearly so why what's going are you on. sitting there if you're not so, Freddie's mouthpiece, but you, t- yeah. to some extent you are, whether you like it or not. Well, you're part of the decision-making process. Yeah. So, Correct. You know, yeah, it, it showed that they're all feeling a little bit, I think. But mm. uh, on the flip of what you said also, he said about no on the interchange, Trent Robinson obviously came out and wasn't too happy either because he came out and said the Roosters aren't happy with him either. And that We're talking about Latrell Mitchell. We're talking about Freddie, saying that he said that the Roosters weren't happy and he was supposed to with go With Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, which was all, you know, as it turns out now, with all the papers spinning it, the Roosters knew about it the whole way along. Mm. And I don't have direct quotes, but I read a story yesterday and I read the bits to you of what Robinson said, and I agree with everything he said, which was basically everyone was happy to ride the wave with him when things went well. He plays one bad game and everyone's kicking him while he's down. Mm. He's 21. He hasn't even reached his peak age yet, or he's been forced to peak mm. much earlier than others. And if he if he played a winning game, how would everyone be? We've got a, we've got a bit of a history as a state of just using and abusing players. Well, this is the whole and thing I laugh the about The loyalty Mitch, from Mitchell is to the Roosters, yeah. not to New South Wales. But, whether, whether Brad Fittler likes that or not, that's the way the game is at the moment. And this was my comments last year when everyone was laying the boot into Bennett on the Queensland side. And I go, that's just not right. Like Will Chambers had a bad series. There's plenty of guys. Everyone contributed to the loss, but they turned him into the Mitchell Pierce, which is my frustration now when it seems that everyone's throwing out an SOS to a Mitchell Pierce. After all, he had to cop for such a long period of time that it wouldn't have surprised me if Mitchell Pierce did not want to play Origin. But moving on to other selections, the other force change we know, David Clower. The tough bastard. Uh, looks like he broke his wrist and only his second carry of the game. Ended up playing mm. the rest of the first half another stint. McLean has played for Australia before. They've got pretty big wraps on him. He looks like he's torn his hamstring on the weekend, so he's probably out of the equation, which probably leaves us well, with... Well, they're awaiting scans on McLean, aren't they? Yeah, well, I don't think it looked too positive, and he's had a history with it. He was lucky to play first grade, they reckon, when he was at Melbourne. He had reoccurring injuries in that area, so... The players that have been mentioned by the staff, again, they were talking about Pryor and Campbell Gillard because they've both been in camp last year. Campbell Gillard's been better the last week or two, but not good enough for me to want to throw him back into origin. Uh, Prior, he's solid. You know what you're going to get. But again, to try and win a series, I'm not sure. Our mate buzzed through one out from left of field. And Daniel Safidi, mate, because anyone mm. who's willing to take on the Burgess brothers is in my good books to play origin. We need someone who can take on the Queenslanders, Brock. Uh, and I guess the other one that's there is Lodge that's been talked about. But for a lot of people... A controversial thing in the sense of, I guess, form's one thing, but we spoke about character and not picking players for that reason. So we've rubbed out, apparently rubbed out, even though he's being considered your Ferguson's, your Dugan-type characters. But then, um, you know, there were some people that weren't happy about Jake, uh, sorry, Jack Whiten, given what happened in the off-season. And now he's playing Origin and then Lodge's history. So at the end of the day, you know, character or not, they're generally picking a winner's side. So well, if they think someone's going to be good enough, whether you like it or not, they're, they're going to pick somebody. But yeah. to replace Clemmer, where do they go from here? What would you do? I'd, I'd probably pick Lodge. Yeah, if McLean's got... Oh, I would yeah, have had McLean. Well, McLean, but McLean's McLean out of the picture. looks as though he's, he's Gonski. Well, the one I threw up yesterday when we were having a few beers watching the footy... Jack was Dal- No, it was 
they were Finucan. Yeah, he could play middle. But that was my other reshuffle. And I just pushed Jake Trebojevic up. And you could push Jake to play as the starter, pick Finucan as the third aim with Jake in the front row, and then you add, if you wanted to, to me, like I said last year, a Tarek Sims to the bench who can play as a middle or an edge. We, we need someone with some dog. I don't think his form has really warranted it. But we lack somebody who is willing to go after players. I think Tarek's got that kind of mentality where he'll look to take a scalp. Mm. Uh, that changes the look of our bench, obviously. That then was Murray, Haas, who stay, and a Sims, if you did it the way we were just talking about them, with Jake pushing the prop or Finucane to prop and one to lock. And then your decision is whether you stick with Whiten, who's been talked about possibly moving into the six jumper, yeah. or do you pick a Madison as that as a bigger utility or a bigger body? But that's the other question, Mark, right now. Everyone's calling what happens to the halves. They, everyone thinks, and I, I think it's going to happen, rightly or wrongly, that once he hooked Cody Walker, in my opinion, even though he says he didn't, I don't think he's going to pick him again. So Pierce and Maloney are the two names that have been thrown up. If they did make a change, would you go with one of those guys or would you be happy with Whiten to push into six? It's a, it's it's a, a real, difficult one. Yeah. Before, the, before the series, I was saying I, I wouldn't have started Walker. I would have had Walker as my 14. And that now seems to be where people are suggesting this is going to go and they'll start Whiten. I, I don't know. Whiten and Cleary, though, as a pairing. Still not really anyone senior. I, I'd like to see Pierce and Cleary. That's where I'm, my gut is right at this moment. And my argument and for I just everyone have, that kicked up a stink yesterday about Maloney is they beat an understrength oh, Rooster side missing five players please. at home and he's been poor all have year. They, have they been watching every game? And I love James Maloney, don't get me wrong, but the errors and the penalties that happen week in, week out to go along with that stuff just can't be tolerated in origin. How How is anyone in their right mind going to justify picking James Maloney over Mitchell Pearce? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Based on what we've seen, if you, if your justification is form... Then bang your head on the table if because you, you... Yeah. And if your justifications are we won the series last year, that's all well and good. But, you know, he did contribute last year, but he had some moments still. He threw a couple of intercepts. He had some errors. He had his penalties. This year, just given the way things have gone, the way things are at Penrith, I wouldn't have him in the New South Wales side. And I also still think we need to move forward. Mm. Uh, Pierce is still going to be around for a couple more years. I don't think Maloney's going to be here after next year. So... Yeah, they're probably a couple. The only other spot that's left over is Crichton. A lot of people obviously thinking that Crichton wouldn't be there. To me, I still would have had Madison before him, even if he wasn't the utility. If you're going to pick someone that you wanted to rotate in as a back rower slash tight like player, if you're going to move Frizzell into the middle and play someone on the edge, I still would have picked Madison before Crichton. So yeah, we're a week Crichton's away. Severely out of form. Yeah, we're a week away, but I think that middle reshuffle that we just spoke of is a possibility. The halves spot, the utility spot. There's a couple of things that are going to change, no doubt. But the big one that I was just surprised about was I thought Kotrick was sold without being outstanding, but after watching Tommy hobble around still on the weekend, I was surprised that that was a given that that was going to be a forced change. He needs to get through next week. Mm. You can't carry someone busted and then lose them that early in the game. That would be detrimental in Perth. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. All right, tackle two we're moving on to. Dallin to the Bulldogs, as we spoke about. All the talk was for the Tigers and basically what it's come down at the end of the day is the point of tackle two, which is the Tigers situation. It's been more than made abundantly clear now that Michael Maguire's given a bit of a 12-week period. He's filled out the playing group. He's filled out the staff. We know that Kelly Egan, the general manager of football, wasn't he? Yeah, he football was manager. He yeah. taken out of his position. Maguire obviously been brought in, uh, having won a couple of premierships in England and Australia with the South previously, was going to be given full control. He's inherited a situation where there's contracts and staff that were Ivan Cleary's. Staff's one thing. That's easy to get rid of staff. Player contracts are a completely different story. He doesn't want Chris McQueen, uh, 
as much as people denied it the other day and he denied it himself, the Moses in buy, it's not so much the player, it's the size of the contract and the restrictions around it. Ben Madalino, Russell Packer and Elijah Taylor. And a couple of those deals, plus Josh Reynolds, were all four-year contracts. So the issue here for Madge McGuire is he wants to clean out and apparently now the players aren't too happy. And I think it's showing on the field, but this is where it's at. Like You, you come into a situation when you inherit a squad that you don't really want because a coach has only reset himself 12 months earlier, 18 months earlier, mm-hmm. and now you've inherited a bunch of four-year contracts you want to move on from. And we know, as we spoke about earlier when I was talking to you, even if he wants these guys gone, no one's going to pay full freight. Yeah. Clubs always put you over a barrel when it comes to this situation. So if he wants Packer, Madalino, not so much Taylor and McQueen because I think they've got shorter-term deals in buying Reynolds there, we're talking seven, $800,000 contracts with two years to run. No one's going to cut them out of this situation. So right. does he want to move forward uh, you know, with part pay or are they going to hope that they can find a suitor? Are they going to try and force somebody out? Because this is a real awkward situation. You've got a Mexican standoff, basically. You've got five or six senior guys in your playing group or probably liked by the others. Not Maguire's fault because he's inherited and he's trying to do his job, but it's just a real ugly, ugly situation to be in. Um, and the Dallin situation basically didn't come to fruition from all reports because of terms were agreed to, but they just don't have the space and they can't move the players on. Penrith clearly aren't interested in a player swap, which was talked about because it didn't happen. And now we're hearing talk of Peachy going back. Plus, they upgraded Kenny from Tim Grant, and I'm sure they've got a little bit of space left, but I doubt they're going to go take a Tigers player now unless they got a discount. Mm. But Michael Maguire seems to be in a real pickle here because he's got three or four he's big in a pickle, deals. But he's just got to work his way through it. So if, if there are pieces that he can move, I, I think he's got to do his best to move them. And then from there... Yeah. He, he's just got to take it year by year, as, as cliche as that sounds. He's in a position where they've had a coach just basically uproot and leave in the infancy of his, I guess, plan for the club. And now you've had to get another coach in who's sort of got to try and unpick that and start his own plan. So different styles, there's going different, to be yeah, yeah, different styles. Player wants and needs, completely different. Also yeah. player loyalty to mm. the, the previous coach. So, so it's an awkward situation. He's in, a, he's in a very tough pickle. and um, Yeah, I'm I'm not going to start giving Michael McGuire advice. He knows he knows yeah. what he's doing. He's won competition. So it's just, yeah. I just think it's going to be that slow burn. If there are things that he can move and solve now and get ahead of it and he thinks that that's going to help his team perform on the field this year, I think you know it's better to do it now than later on, uh, for the sake of the performance of the team, but also for your cap space and your management of your roster. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one because the, the Tigers started off so strongly, but now they're starting to get a few injuries and that depth that you know I feared for them at the start of the year is starting to come to the fore. Well, I'll put it to you this way: I think I don't think the Dallin thing's over, and that's the reason why they signed an eighteen-month contract. They're waiting for some space, and I'm sure he will link up with him at some point. No offence to the Bulldogs fans out there. I know they're plenty happy today. Any quality play you can get in the door is a bonus, but I think this was more a situation of convenience. Whatever space they've got, they've picked up a player who has ties with a manager, manager's son, and another key player at the club. So I think this is all... They get a good player for possibly six to 18 months, um, but I, I don't know if his future will be there long-term mm. unless something happened with the coach, the cap situation... Signings the back end of next year, which is another situation where we're hearing the dogs are interested in Shane Flanagan if he can get interested and that Dean Pay is only going to be there for another year until things are free. There's a lot to happen before now and then. Yeah. But plain and simple, Michael Maguire's in a tough spot because he's inherited something that wasn't his. 12 months later, there's some big money tied up and he doesn't want those players. And number two, I don't think Dallin to the Tigers is necessarily done yet. It's no. done for this year. 
but next year or possibly the end of it, they signed for 18 months for a reason. They're feeling out the situation. Uh, but end of the day, I guess, for the dogs, goodbye. Yeah. They could use any help they can get right now. So tackle three, the Panthers. We just spoke about Ivan clearing the situation there and what he's left behind for Maguire in his own situation. Plenty going on there as well. Uh, Dallin is out the door, freed up a spot. Tim Grant tore the pec muscle. They got him in a situation where he was willing to retire and move on so they could open up. Um, some room in their side. So they've now upgraded Mitch Kenny, who's been doing a solid job at nine. He's moved into the top squad. And now the talk is that Tyron Peachy will be coming back, and I'm sure on a cut-rate deal compared to what he went on the Gold Coast Titans. So if he comes back and plays the kind of football that got him into origin, I'm sure the bigger thing is happiness. The Panthers are in a winning situation in that regard, um, if things do work out. And the other side... Is that, is that confirmed? Oh, it's been... The murmurs Rumor. are getting louder and louder, so I'm not going to say it's completely confirmed, but it seems highly likely at this mm. point in time. But if the Panthers get him back on a cut deal after getting rid of Dallin and freeing up some cap space, plus Grant for Kenny, I think he's been doing a better job than what Katoa uh, has been doing. They had Egan back in yesterday working in tandem with him. You know, that's kind of a double win. But the interesting one is there's two contracts that were done by the board, as we spoke about yesterday when we were watching the TV, and we, we spoke about it as well. Feel good, and obviously the... The panel there gave long-term contracts to Campbell Gillard and Wanga Blake last year. And the word is similar to Michael Maguire in the situation that Ivan left him there. Ivan, not a fan of those two deals. So the talk is that Campbell Gillard may be possibly on the outer, but nothing really has emerged from that yet. But Wanga Blake is definitely on the outer. Mm. There's talk the Titans and the Eels have both sounded out possibilities to pick up Wanga Blake. So... Yeah, insanity. Yeah. Bit of a fire sale, isn't there, going on at Penrith? Well, as soon as, like you said, coaches come into a situation and they're not happy, this is what happens. And this is my whole thing. And again, I'm not starting an argument here, but I'm just the point I made about the Newcastle situation, if you come in tomorrow and you think Clemens overpaid or you don't like a couple of the players and you swap things over once you get some players in, some coaches just come in and pick a couple of guys and go, I don't like them and I want them gone. Probably not as many of those at Newcastle, given Pierce, Ponga, etc. their key players are probably guys you'd be happy to have. But this is always the awkward situation when a coach puts his touches on a roster, most things are tied up long-term, and then somebody else comes in with a different style, different philosophy, different one-on-eat in a playing group, and then he goes, I don't like this. I want him, him, or him gone, or they try to freeze players out. It just gets ugly really quickly. Uh, Wonga Blake, you're a Titans man. Would you want Wonga Blake? No. I wouldn't want him for the reported amount or years that he had at Penrith. Campbell Gillard, similar deal. If he was coming to you for 650000 700000 No. No. So there you go again. I don't know if Penrith will be able to resolve... And- that's based on their form. Yeah. But there you go. Changes again. A couple of clubs we're talking about, but the Panthers, uh, a couple of wins in a row now. Slowly moulding within themselves. A couple of young guys coming in. Liam Martin. We've seen Brian Toto be upgraded. Um, Liam Martin obviously got his debut jersey start of the year. Starting to get some fresher blood into the system and roll some players over. Mm-hmm. So, interesting times, but they're starting to build some momentum. Tackle four. The Gold Coast Titans. No Ash Taylor. All good. It's crazy what yeah. we've talked about before, what happens when you just put guys in that are willing to do their job, especially in the key positions and lead from the front. And honestly thought, you know, as we spoke about most weeks, Tyron Roberts on a cut price deal and Riley Jacks, who's come from a, a tough I, system in I Melbourne. I can't believe that Jacks hasn't played in the last month. Mm. Well, they got the job if he, done. If he's in there last week against the Cowboys, we win. Simple I, as that. I agree. So you, you've left a win on the table there, Garth Brennan. And, well, there's the performance of the team on the field um, – has been overshadowed by the rumour that as soon as this Origin Series is over, Kevy Walters is apparently going to take over. They're going to pull the root well, out. 
get rid of uh, Garth Brennan and Kevin Walters going to take it. That that's the big talk. That's well, this is another one. And of those. that's when I say talk, it's like I've I've heard it and been contacted and got some decent mail on it. And I, I don't usually get a lot of mail from Queensland, but uh, we've had some come through our inbox. We've had some come through the NRL gossip inbox and some text messages and just from people up there uh, because it's it's a time of the year where. There's a lot of schoolboy carnivals going on and emails are flying around and, um, yeah, you just get chatting to guys from different parts of, of the rugby league landscape and it's pretty widely accepted up north that Garth Brennan's basically on borrowed time, regardless of what he does. Well, that's crazy to think. This is that situation we spoke about again where it's hard to feel at times like people aren't undermined because when Seabold obviously got his job at Brisbane and Walters missed out, all players that were linked to Walters, obviously, were the first ones to jump up and down as soon as things looked a bit shaky. Yeah. And then you've got a situation where we asked when Mel Meninga went in there, you know, and then they're letting him do the mid-season review. Is it fair that somebody that's involved with the club is running a review and has, again, ties to somebody that they're likely going to push the boat for to get a job? That's not questioning the integrity of these people, but it's just hard at the end of the day when all the ex-players are involved in a lot of situations not to see, you know, connect the dots. It's yeah. It just seems a bit convenient the way things are all working out. And that if he doesn't possibly get into the finals, I, I think they'll look for any excuse to get rid of him. At the same time, do I think the, the squad at the start of the year, as we spoke about, was too good to be ranked as wooden spooners with the bookies? 100%. Should yeah. be doing better. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, it's, it's almost a poison chalice when you're starting to get surrounded by people um, who have ties to other people in outer situations, as, we, as we've seen in this situation. So, yeah, I thought that was very, very strange that Mal Meninga was the one running the mid-season review. Of the whole situation up there, that, that, that seems like all. He's signs. part of the problem. He's employed as a part of the football department, so I don't understand how he then runs a review of a department that he should be overseeing anyway. Well, he's supposed to be having. He should be reviewing that process. And performance and all that. Well, he should of be stuff, reviewing so. that process every week. There should be a review going on daily to try and get better. I don't understand why it's public knowledge. It just seems like a a, um, a bit of a witch hunt to find a reason to sack Garth Brennan. Mm. The performance of the team on the field should be enough if you really want to sack him. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's the main thing I'm looking I, at if you're going to get rid of him. I, I don't know. I, you know, I'd like to see Brennan see this year out. Am I in love with what the Titans are doing? No. Do I agree with every selection that he's made? No. But has he had enough time to really turn it around? You know, like I was sort of up up Nathan Brown for the rent, and I'd I'd say everything that I said about Nathan Brown and the Knights again because I. I totally believe that they were severely underachieving and that's only been proof through their performance for the last six weeks that they were well under where they should be. The Titans are well under where they should be as well. But if we're going to then cut Nathan Brown, say, well, Nathan Brown's had three to four years to do it and Garth Brennan's barely had two, I don't understand why there's not the same, I guess, slack cut for him. Because the Titans have been where the Knights are. The Titans have been down the bottom for forever Mm. since they sacked Neil Henry and had the whole... Jared Haynes saga go on, and Brennan came in on the back of that. Well, it's year two. I think the difference was he didn't have and we're, to. We're halfway through year two. It's one, he didn't one have and a half wait years for cap space. I'm not trying to, you know, cut him less slack. But but but, you, but hang on a minute. But he was They've, able to go out. You look and at get the rosters. Who's got a better instantly. roster? Newcastle or Titans? Newcastle, Newcastle. by a mile. Yeah. But you still can't say that he doesn't have a better situation year two than what. But he's had one. Him. He's had one year to recruit. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm and, just and he did recruit. He has been able to recruit. Did he do it? Did he do it? 
incorrectly, yeah, yes. because he's got Tyrone Peachy there who doesn't want to be there. And year one, I think that's the other he problem. Sign year Ash one, Taylor to he a million. Took Leilani Latu, Cartwright, yeah, yeah. and Rain. So yeah. and also Shannon the, Boyd. If you're looking at all the signs in the first two, it's years, blown up in his face. I still don't think he's really looking like a long-term NRL coach, unfortunately. But I'd like to, I'd like to give him the rest of the season. I don't understand what benefit you're going to get out Nothing. of handing the Let side go. over to Kevin Walters. Let him go. Let him go to the end of the year. Uh, sit down and have a review. And it just it looks to me, and I know Garth, and, you know, it, we don't talk, but I've, I've had enough to do with him to know that he can coach. And the fact of the matter is it just looks to me at the moment like he's going to get sacked, regardless of what they do. Mm. It's a shit situation for him. And this, is, this is why coaches like Garth, who have a lot of success in New South Wales Cup, wait and wait and wait and wait. He probably could have got another couple of NRL gigs Prior to this one, yeah, because you need to get the right because you job need to get to the right gig, and he's jumped out and and thought, well, I can get on the back of this Titan side. They've got enough of a roster. Neil Henry proved that before Jared Hayner got there. He made the finals. They look good, and just a couple of those key decisions that you really need to work for, you've blown up in his face, and it looks like it, at the end of the year or maybe even before, it's going to cost him his job. They were good yesterday, no doubt, but yeah. they need to be consistent. They were horrendous the week before. Ash Taylor. That's kind of part of it. Obviously, well, I don't know what's going personal on. Personal reasons or whatever's going I've on. I've got zero mail. I don't, I don't want to touch into that. If there is something going wrong, you know, best wishes to him and I hope he gets through everything. But from a football perspective and a club that signs somebody on a million dollars. Well, proof is in the pudding. They won without him. What do you do moving forward? You can't do anything. You, what can they do? If he came tomorrow, though, and said that he wanted out, you'd, oh, you'd, you'd let, let, him, let go. him go straight away. 100%. I'd, Regardless I'd, of whether he was I'd going to another club. I'd give him a box club. of Krispy Kreme and a pat on the ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not saying, that's, See, that's not either. getting into the personal side of things. If there is you know, mental health issues or you struggle with the whole situation, just plain and simple. If he turned up tomorrow and said, look, I'm, you know, I want to go elsewhere. I I'm not oh, interested to be here. I, I, think, I, I think the Gold the, Coast would sign the, the papers as quick, quick as they possibly could. Correct. If someone was willing to take him and do a release and do things for free. So. Couldn't get the red carpet out quick enough for him. If not, the real hope is that, like you've said... He's, Where's he going to go? Well, I don't know, but I was more going to touch on. Let's hope that if it is a couple of weeks that's needed, that you guys keep playing well. He looks at that and that lights a fire on his ass and he comes back and yeah. lives up to the billing. But for now... Um, Look, I, I don't, I don't know what's going they on. They played the field. well. I'm judging him on the field, and his form on the field has been well below par. Simple yeah. as that. Regardless of what's going on off the field, and I, I, I don't know what's going on off the field. He's not taken personal leave, and I'm glad he has because yeah. he he's clearly not in the right headspace to be playing nah. footy. And it shows in his body language. Forget just football, just holistically, he just doesn't look happy or doesn't look in yeah. the right frame of mind. Full stop. So he's go not and do what you do, kid. So he's a kid, and it's only a game. Do what you've got to do. Tackle five. South and the Roosters, they are really feeling the toll of the origin period. Some people are banging the drums already, but I think they need to calm down. Uh, in all honesty, it, it's been a tough start of the year for both sides. They still racked up wins with injuries. We saw the Roosters basically not have a complete spine. Oh, the chooks are gone. For the first, like, five or six weeks. or you know, Out of the 10, 10 or so games before origin, they probably had their full spine twice. Yeah, And a lot of people are death riding because they've lost three in a row. They played a game yesterday where, again, people are flipping out because Penrith beat them. With Jabari Hargraves suspended, Latrell Mitchell was not there. Jake Friend was not there. Luke Keery's missing for an extended period of time. They had a couple of guys back up, and they rolled in a host of changes. They've got guys playing like Radley. Ryan Hall's off a second game for his ACL and only his second game in the NRL. Uh, I think everyone needs to just calm down a little bit on that side of things. And the Rabbitohs, much the same, have been ravaged. A couple of weeks ago, they could only name 20 players. Mm. Um, and then on the weekend, you've seen them go all in and play a couple of guys like Cook and Murray and they backed up and Gagai and they've lost and now you've got Sam going for shoulder surgery. Tom's apparently got an ankle injury and he needs surgery. Braden Burns was supposed to come back, re-injured part of the injury he originally had. He's out for another four to six weeks. So 
things have been cruel, I still think it's way too early for everyone to freak out. And put plain and simply, we have half a season to go. Unless we get to four weeks before the finals and these guys are still all missing seven or eight players who have guys under clouds, I'm not freaking out. No. Because I'm going to go on the record and say that for the first time, if one or two of these guys was to struggle and fall into the bottom half of the eight, one or two of those teams could potentially be the first Premier to win from outside the top four if things got that die. That's how confident I am. They're not finishing outside the top four. I'm just saying, if they had injury problems and dragged themselves in, if they got players back at the right time, I'd be happy to go on the record and say that they'd be one of the first two teams to win from outside the top four. Yeah. That's how confident I am. Yeah. So I wouldn't argue with that. Everyone who's blowing up, calm down. Get Reynolds healthy. Get Tom and Sam back healthy. Get Burns back on the field. They've now got Roberts there. Just everyone calm down a little bit. Yeah. All right? On the flip side, for the Roosters, no different. Uh, They're going to manage themselves to this period. They're going to get friend back. Kiri's going to get the right kind of rest and recovery. Corden is obviously playing banged up. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, if they get him right, like it's... I'm not worried about either of his sides. If we go, like I said, eight weeks in the future and there's a bunch of injuries and things are looking bad heading to the finals, uh-huh. I'll reassess it then. But for now, I think there's a bit too much hoo-ha considering they won with all these injuries and now out of origin, all of a sudden, people are banging the drum. Uh-huh. They're still both in the top four and they've racked up plenty of wins. So, yeah, that's my opinion. And speaking of that, tackle six, the ladder logjam. A couple of weeks ago, we were both sitting here thinking that the Dogs, the Panthers, the Titans were all looking dreadful and probably out of the picture and... Since then, Titans have won a couple of games. The Panthers have now won three in a row, and there's a massive logjam all the way from eighth position, uh, basically, say, to four and eighth, where there's a bunch of teams on five and six wins. So you've got the Eels, who are six and seven, the Broncos, five and seven, five and seven, the Dragons, after snapping their losing streak, Tigers, five and seven, Cowboys, six and seven, very unlucky not to have... One on the weekend. The Warriors are now down on four after losing some close games. But the buys really, the, the buys are really now. I don't count the buy. Muffled the competition yeah. up a little bit. So it's messed up this ladder we're looking at here. But basically, I wouldn't even look at the ladder for another until Origin finishes and we get all the players back, and you can sort of go right. Oh, there's eight games to go or seven games to go or whatever. The only thing I can see though, like given the way this has all worked out, the results being stolen and a couple of these teams stagnating, like a team like the Dragons just come off five losses in a row. There's still only one win out of the eight. Yeah. Like, the way it's worked out this year with the top end being so good, mm. it's kind of lent to themselves. Whereas last year, the top end got so far away so quickly, the yeah. bottom end never seemed like they were in touch. It was a good win for Manly uh, on oh, the weekend huge because they st- they're still to have their bye. So they've got a game in hand, and they're also two points ahead of that chasing pack with two points in hand. So essentially, they're on 16 points. Um, and they're two wins ahead of a lot of those sides that are chasing them. So... That was a game I think the Broncos may live to rue at the end of the end of the season because that could be the difference between them landing in the top four. Because it, what are they? What are they on now? The Broncos? How many points? Broncos. Are they on? That they're was, on twelve. They're five and seven. Yeah, that, twelve points. Yeah. And top four is what? Sixteen. You'd say roll roll back. It roll used back. to be about twelve. Yeah, so they're they're now four points. Like if they win that game, they're only two, two points out of the four. Mm. So that's why I'm, I'm confident that the teams in the top four are going to hang on because a lot of those bottom teams are just too inconsistent. I think the Knights may jump in but and maybe at the Raiders' expense. I don't think it'll be at the Roosters' expense. Well, I still think the Sharks are going to be pushing there too because they're not really affected besides mm. Morris. So depending on well, their All those draw, teams are going to have to run into each other well, later that, on in the season. So There's a critical game this week for top four, realistically, if you're talking about origin. Yeah, Storm effect, Knights. The Sharks play the Raiders. Well, Storm Knights as well. So Sharks-Raiders, if the Sharks win that game, then the Raiders go back into yeah. the origin period. The Sharks could potentially get two or three in a row here while they're not heavily affected and really put themselves into that top four. 
If not, that was my bet before we kicked off the start of the year. A lot of people had the Sharks out of the eight. That was my bet of the year or my $100 sure thing is that the Sharks would be in the top eight. And I'll, I'll be in the eight. I don't think there's any question about that. They've just got through a difficult period. Unless they get murked by injuries again. Yeah, and even through that period, they've won. Yeah. They won like five of the seven they games. They were just so outside of the eight. They've and got, now they've got their players back. They've the still got a few weeks. to come. So That's right. Things are not looking too bad on the Sharks side of things. But yeah, this interesting logjam this year is certainly throwing up uh, some questions and Few teams that look dead and buried are still in touch. So, yeah. if Penrith stay unaffected during the Origin period, uh, you know, they could possibly find themselves fighting for the bottom of the eight at the back end of the season, just given the way things have panned out. So, mm-hmm. quite amazing. But no power rankings this week. I know we had a full round, but it's hard to judge those teams during this period of time. So, we're going to put that on ice, as we said, until the Origin period is over. That's usually brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre, but. They can be the reason we do our player reviews this weekend, Boxhead. So, Penrith Solar Centre, if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you on the edge more than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who are helping local families take control of their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home and your back pocket. Contact the Penrith Solar Centre today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how you can become a real winner this season when it comes to your power bills. Good times. www.penrithsolar.com.au. That number again, 1800 20 Jake and the lads there do a great job. Bang, bang. Game reviews box head. Newcastle South, 20-12. It was origin affected, but I think if you're a Newcastle fan or especially the coach, you're cheering. Like Clemmer busts his wrist, so you're missing your key forward up against a tough forward pack, which is still fully intact realistically. And then you rest Ponga. So, yeah. you know, you're thinking about your origin players because they're so critical to your side, and then you come out and put an excellent performance together. And more importantly, your young Ford pack stands up to the Burgeye trio who tried plenty of niggle and dog tactics, and that to me, they boiled over, and in particular, Sam. Mm. Sam did everything you don't want your lead forward to do. He fell apart. The Safidi, Daniel Safidi was absolutely outstanding. He took him front on. I had no problem when he started throwing punches after he got head-butted. How the referee didn't pick that up, I have no idea. Well, how the bunker didn't pick how that up. How Fitzgibbon got binned for literally doing nothing yeah. and then getting head-butted by Sam, I have no how idea. How Sam didn't get sent off, I don't know. Um, he absolutely boiled over. And as we've seen before, when people play with their brothers and... They lost their cool. He they, got sidetracked. Yeah, he, he dragged them into it and they lost their cool. And I think for Wayne Bennett... He pushed all into me when he missed his halves and then he played Cook, Gagai and Murray. I probably would have rested all my players heading into this game just conceded, given the fact they already had 10 wins on the board. But mm. 70 minutes on Cook after he had a massive performance already. Gagai played. Roberts had his first game. You know, bit checkered, but what would you expect? He's got a brand new team. Um, but overall, I, I just thought for Newcastle, you've already won five in a row. You get another big scalp there. Pierce plays well, steers him around the field. Connor Watson moving into nine. Been saying it for ages that I think his position's nine or one. He looked like a mini cook. The way he was getting out and flying out of dummy half. Scored a couple of tries. Barnett, uh, he got right into the contest. He fired up. Leno did his job pushing to the halves there. Kurt Mann at the back. Like, ticks a lot of boxes. And, and the main thing is they're playing with some vigour. They've got some real intent in everything they're doing. And they're hunting as a pack. If you're a coach, and we've said this a million times, the bare minimum, it's one thing to have good players, have skill, be executing players, but the one thing you want to see is just vigor, energy, and intent. And right now, Newcastle's got that in spades. They were up for the contest. They celebrate all the little wins. They celebrate errors. They celebrate big tackles. They celebrate dragon blokes across the sideline. Um, yeah. All signs are very positive for Newcastle right now. Winning's a habit. Losing's a habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, South, I tend to agree with you. I, that close to origin. Uh, I would have just 
rest of yeah, the players. particularly with the They've halves, banked yeah. the wins, though. They've banked the wins. Yeah. That's what I don't get. And it was never going to be easy, even if right. they rested. It's a decision oh. above, probably above Wayne's head, even. You know, he'd, he'd, get, he'd have his uh, doctors and medical staff say, look, these guys are available, these guys are 50-50, these guys you should rest, and he makes decisions based on that. So, I uh, just... On the field, South just lack quality and key positions. Errors were disgraceful errors too. Bad. They, errors, penalties. They, they were in it. They were in it first half. And then that, that blue, which happened right before half time, sidetracked them. They came out and I think, is it Corey Allen dropped the ball over the line at one end and then Newcastle went up and scored at the other end uh, during that period. And I, that was really the straw that broke the camel's back in I that game. Another big moment, Pierce wanted to take the two to get two scores ahead. And Connor Watson said stuff they that they're taking the tap and, and then, then he scored. scored. Yeah. So, you know, he backed himself. And at the time, I don't think they were too happy about it, but he come up trumps and he looked outstanding at nine, um, you know. Well, good. he was the best player on the field by a mile, I thought. Great versatility for them in the, this situation that they can have Ponga, who can play one and play in the halves, even though that didn't really work out. you got Mann, who can play anywhere in between centre, hooker, fullback, halves. He was looking good at six. We've seen Watson play multiple positions, but I still thought nine or one. Mm. would be the answer, and then they're going to have Levi to come back. So fitting all those pieces in together, and even Lena, um, you know, their buyers have worked out very, very well for this situation. So winning, and like I said, their pack mentality, them as a whole, their bench chipped in, all positives for Newcastle moving forward. Six in a row, blockbuster this week against the Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to watching that one. For South, still not panicking. Uh, the halves both out, playing those origin players I didn't agree with, and the Burgesses are going to be missing for a few weeks. So... That may be a bit of a lean time ahead, I think, with troops still missing. Yeah. If you take Tom and Sam out next week, that's a big blow. Um, they don't have a whole lot of forward depth, unfortunately. So No, they don't. Be interested to see uh, who plays for them. And things are really coming up. Trump's for Panthers right now. They've got the Roosters in a weak state, and they get South this week. So South could potentially be missing Adam Reynolds, Sam, Tom. Uh, you know, if Burns probably still isn't ready to go for a couple of weeks. And I don't know what the situation was with Cody Walker, whether he was injured or they just gave him a week off. But, yeah, it could be a real, real good situation for the Penrith Panthers or a good time to play South. Yeah. And things are starting to fall into place. Tigers-Canberra, I don't really want to give this too much time, but I just thought the Tigers didn't really look overly committed in this game. It was 28-0. Uh, they had chances. I think they had plenty of chances. I think the difference, again, was just that energy, that intent, that grit. Canberra had a couple of guys back up. They're still missing Hodgson, Leilua, a couple other blokes. Uh, they just seem more keen for the contest. They were better physically. They were better as a pack. The three tries in the first half all coming off kicks was crazy. The first one was an absolute ripper assist where Elliot Whitehead kind of chipped it up to Simonson on a kick through. The Caesar grubber on play five where he cut back through the ruck and then Nick Kotrick chips in with a nice little Premier League cross there that they scored off for Apana and then to finish off the half... Starling gives it to Bateman, little grubber through, picks it up for Charns and gives back inside. How intriguing that the three blokes involved in all those plays were two pommies and a Serbian with soccer kicks to get to 8 0. But yeah. uh, I, I just looked at that at half time and thought if you can, bro, they're all effort tries. Like they happened because blokes were on the ball, they're in the situation, they pushed her. Like, they weren't, you know, beautifully constructed tries. They were great tries, high skill, but they're energy tries. They're plays that Canberra made happen. Yeah. Um, and the Tigers. Even when they had a glide of possession at the back end of the half, all summed up to me when Esau Masters half-assed it with 10 metres of space or 5 metres of space either side of wing and to ground the ball, and he just tried to fall over softly and Simonson come up with an absolute ripper to stop him from scoring, and that just summed up the game for me at half-time at 18-zip. It didn't get any better in the second half. No, it didn't. 
It did not. Uh, they, they, yeah, you, you nailed it. And the first thing you said about this game, there was a lack of commitment from the Tigers. Simple as that. It's a game that I really struggled to pick and really struggled to tip. I went with Canberra uh, and with no rhyme or reason. And I don't feel any better or worse about the tip. Only better because they won. But if you rewound it a week, I'd still have just as much trouble picking that game as I did. Uh, now, even knowing the result, um, for them to perform like that, I think the disappointing thing for the Tigers is that was their opening match at Bankwest Stadium, and they made a lot about the fact that they were going to make it a bit of a fortress yeah, as well. Be their home ground. Uh, and I know, you know, I have a few guys who support the Tigers who attended the game who were really disappointed, who made the effort. Like it's, it was. Um, it can be a difficult place to get to, uh, Bank West, like fantastic facility, but there's not a lot of parking around there. And, um, you know, people are fresh off state of origin. The comp takes a little bit of a hit. You know, the interest sort of goes out of it a little bit. So, and Canberra, they don't bring a lot of fans, but I, I thought there was a good crowd there. There was plenty of reasons for the Tigers to play well, and um, they they were they were ordinary, weren't they? No, oh, they were terrible. I think... Brooks tried hard. I think Little had some moments in the second half. The other thing I found interesting is they had like multiple spine reshuffles during the game. You yeah. had Farrah push to six to allow for Little. Moz Zembai, who, again, he says isn't on the outer, was named to start on the bench, then ended up playing the centres, moved to fullback, played in the halves. Like there, there was a lot going on there. It was quite awkward. I think the other problem was when they were behind, they didn't look like they were going to try anything. Mm. They just rolled through the motions. They were still taking one outs. They didn't get risky at all. And I don't know where they go from here. Because he's not going to recall on Packer. Or, or I don't think he's going to call for Taylor. He's had him pushed out. Is he trying to ice Reynolds? Does he bring Reynolds in for Benji? Benji played pretty good the few weeks prior. So I don't think there's a whole lot they can do to change their side or spark things going forward. I think it's basically up to a handful of guys there to just lead from the front. Um, a couple of those younger guys that are secure, they need to keep playing well. And hopefully whatever's going on there, whether it is a few guys getting tapped on the shoulder or a bit of player discord, they can always band together and start playing some good footy. Because otherwise, things could spoil very quickly for the Tigers. Yeah. For the Raiders, full of praise this year. Um, last year, last couple of years, they've been the laughing stock to us, really. With the way they've finished games, their commitment, they've been poor defensively. Everything bad that we've basically been tipping the Raiders up for the last few years has all turned around. Um, and again, a few blokes in particular, the Pommy Boys, Bateman, Whitehead, have been outstanding, leading from the front. Charles Nickel Klopstad, outstanding. Caesars two games back in. Maybe that was finally the fire that needed to be lit under his ass. He's been pretty good the last couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah, things are starting to look much better. And I guess the scary thing is if Topine, who was a big player for them in the back end of last year, gets healthy, stays in form, builds himself back up. These guys come out of origin. White and looked heaps better. Uh, very confident, played well the other night. Caesar and him together as a combination. Does Leilua make it back in time? Rapana's coming off an injury. Hodgson to come back. If all these guys get their shit together and play some really good football and their best side stays in the park, given what we've seen, mm. who knows? They could be a similar situation to the Sharkies where they surprise us at the back end of the year or they can push for a top four spot and then who knows what happens. Um, but some good signs there for Canberra, at least Absolutely. as a whole. So good win by them. Storm Warriors, uh, first half, I thought the Warriors had all the running. They were over Melbourne physically. They had their opportunities and no surprise where they went. Melbourne have the best left-edge defence in the comp, the best middle defence in the comp, and have the best defensive team overall in the competition. But what would you know? They have the worst right edge in the whole competition. And that's where Brodie Croft defends. And Seve and Felice, who's been a victim of somewhat of what's going on there, guess what they scored twice? 
to start the set, uh, the first half. They weren't at that edge. Yeah. Ken Marmolo isolated him. Cody Nicarima caught him out on the last tackle where he held and his edge players were caught in decision. One came in, Suli. That was Seve held off with Croft. They played straight through him. At 10-2 with Melbourne completing at 100%, I thought this is a weird game and things look a bit flat. Um, but late, late in the half... They find themselves an opportunity. Cameron Smith, after the Warriors have done all the hard work, turns Jerome Hughes down a short side, and he scores one of the easiest tries we've ever seen. So 10-8 halftime, I'm thinking the Warriors are throwing the kitchen sink. Melbourne haven't looked that crash hot, and they're still in this game. On top of that, Croft goes off with a HIA. I'm, you know, no offence to the poor bugger, kind of celebrating, because that means Hughes is going to have to play in the halves, and Pappenhausen comes on the field, and second half, they run a bit of a clinic. Yeah. They roll all over him. Cameron Smith almost, to me, seemed like that Bulldogs game the other week where they almost seemed like they wanted to just go through the motions for 40, 50 minutes and wear them out and then just throw the absolute kitchen sink at him. And he started playing from nine, got some good shapes going. Pappenhausen, the speed and the out balls that were getting thrown from dummy half to get to their Warriors' left edge with Hiku, Nikarima, and Marmolo. Like one of the tries he set up, he got past Marmolo, got him to turn inside out, and then still passed to the winger. He could have scored himself. Yeah, they looked better when Croft went off the field. 100%. Hughes, Much playing better. in the halves, just plays direct and plays hard. He doesn't question himself. He was outstanding again. I also again. thought Melbourne looked very vulnerable defensively when Croft was on the field. He He's defending in reverse at the yeah. moment. He backs off. And, and it hurts the whole edge. It makes it very difficult for the guys outside him to defend. But Melbourne, I thought, they the Warriors had him on tilt at a, at, at a time in this game, but they just absorb. Uh, they, they scored a try late uh, in the half and you just went into halftime thinking, well, the Warriors aren't going to play that well again in the second half and you know that Melbourne are going to improve and that was all she wrote. I I just feel, feel as though the Warriors should have done more and that's a result that, again, they may rue later in the year. Like they, they threw everything at Melbourne and probably should have won on Anzac Day and then had them at home... Uh, with, I think, more things tilted in their favour on this occasion and came up with a uh, a much more disappointing effort. Yeah, I, I think I've been no stranger to what I've said the last few weeks. I don't think Croft's offering a whole lot. It's time to move off him, plain and simple. He's had half a season. That edge yeah. defensively looks poor. I think attack, he hasn't used Felice correctly. He hasn't done a whole lot. I know he's kicked a field goal or two at critical times in games and he can add that, but... For a guy that's now had almost two seasons there and been in and out of the side, he looked more confident when it wasn't his job when he came into the team. He looked so free, mentally free. Um, we can remember that Newcastle game, a couple of try assists, the way he ran, the confidence. It just seems since it's actually been his job, I don't know if it's... I'm sure he is a, the football player that was advertised before, but maybe on the mental side of things, he hasn't quite been able to carry that yet or maybe... It's just an internal pressure. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks more an internal pressure that, holy shit, I'm the he halfback. Looks, he looks like he's really low on confidence. Yeah, but it looks like there's an internal pressure of, holy shit, I'm the halfback of the Melbourne Storm. Like, yeah. This is my job. I need to do what Cooper Cronk did, and I need to do this. And I've played with Billy Slater now. I'm playing with Cameron Smith, Cameron Munster. Like, I need to be all these things, and it just looks like he's overthinking everything. Because the few games we saw when he came in and didn't have that burden, he was free. He had a great running game. He threw some nice passes. We saw him carve up the World Club Challenge in those few games that he played in. But ever since Kronk's moved on and it's been his shot to hold down that jersey, it's just seemed too big for him on more on a personal level, I think. Yeah. But I'd be happy, and I've said it to you, to play Hughes in the halves. Pappenhausen at fullback. And the big one for me right now is if Drinkwater was so highly touted before the season, I couldn't let a spine piece go as rumoured to the Cowboys for free. So here's my thing. He came there as a specialist half. We've turned him into a fullback. Hughes is a fullback who we pushed to play halves, played some halves for New Zealand. I couldn't let him go this year 
full stop to the Cowboys. I'm not giving him to him for a depth reason. And if not, I want to see all three of these guys play on our side at some stage because I think there's a real opportunity here to just broaden our attack. I think we look good when Hughes is in the halves, Pappenhausen's at the back, but I also think we could go a step further. We know, how, as we've said, how hard Hughes is. Hughes, to me, has been the most consistent player besides Smith every week for the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. Um, he's just a harder bastard. If we can play drink water as a seven or a six, doesn't really matter. Then, you know, you split each side of the field the way things are these days. He's the most creative of the three, I think, with the ball. Uh, I'd be. I have to give him a run. If we if we had such a rap on him that we we're going to play him at fullback before those two, why not give him a crack in the halves where he originally played? I'd be giving him a run at halfback. I'd be pushing Hughes into Seve's spot at centre, and I'd play Pappenhausen at the back. And if it doesn't work out, Drinkwater goes back. He's depth. He's back up for fullback or halves if we need somebody. But I'm not giving him to the Cowboys. No, I'm not, not this I'd, year. If, I wouldn't be letting anyone go this year if I'm Melbourne. Not a spine piece, and not someone that they had that high rap on right now. No. But if not, I think I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. And Seve, he's done a solid job, but I still don't think he's been overly convincing, especially defensively. So, could you imagine if that all fell into place though? Having Drinkwater, Hughes, Pappenhausen all on the same side with Munster on the other side of the field, Smith, Bromwich, Nelson, Osofa, Solomona, Dale Finucane has been in outstanding form, was huge in this game. Um, even Brandon Smith, Brandon Smith off the bench is just an absolute bundle of energy. And Christian Welch, poor bastard, thought he'd done his ACL a couple of weeks ago. He was massive again on the weekend too. Mm. So. I think there's a real opportunity for Melbourne with the runs on the board to have a look at that combination. I don't know if it'll happen, but if I'm Craig Bellamy, if we had such high praise of this kid, I, 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 I want to try it. I want to see it. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. And if yeah. not, if they don't want to go there, that's fine. But the Cowboys, no offence, you could fuck off for this year. Well, that's right. We're holding on to him. You owe them He's no favours. He's yeah. our... And they were talking about a player swap for a forward. You have nobody I want right now for no. this season. Like, Jordan McLean. If you have a key spine piece that other teams could use, and we're going through Origin with Munster, and we could possibly have an injury. I'm holding on to drink water for this year. Yeah. Um, because Melbourne's slowly building something nicely, I think, and you don't give away pieces like that. It could be very helpful. Same as the Stimson one. I know the Dogs wanted in mid-year, but we've got a player there that can play middle. We've got a player that can play back row slash centre. Like if you're Melbourne, it's a top 30. Yeah. So you don't give players to other clubs, especially some of like the Dogs. Like I guess you get more game time right now, but to our top 30, he's more valuable to us right now for this season. So you hold on to those players. So Warriors, don't know where they go from here. I think Marmolo was great. Sheck is all the time. Army has been really, really good. But defensively, um, I was surprised at the end of the game. Roger Sheck said they defended well. So I don't know what game he was watching because second half they got shredded. But Correct. Disappointing. And unaffected by origin, played a team with four guys backing up. That's, that was my point. Couldn't get the job done. So They played... Better and harder and against a better opposition on Anzac Day. and Yep. Mm. Couldn't match it this time at no. home in wet weather. Sharks yields. This one doesn't deserve a lot of breath. 44-22. Cronulla, I still think, are a genuine threat. Still missing Johnson. Still missing Woods. Morris was rested from this game. They, I just thought Parramatta basically summed up what Brad Arthur said. They look like a part-time team. They don't know whether they're coming or going. They were happy to turn up and rev up last week against a weak in Southside, but they played a full-strength Shark side at Shark Park this week and didn't look like a first-grade team. And when it got into garbage time, the back end of the game, when it was a blowout at 38-6, they turned it on and scored a couple of late tries to make the scoreline look a little flattering. Uh, I'll also say that at halftime, the try that the Sharks scored came from a knock-on, which is a bit harsh, but take the scoreboard out of it, I thought the first half the Sharks were all over. They cut them apart on the edges, they cut them apart through the middle. Chad Townsend's form has been outstanding. The yeah, combination between well. him and Kyle Fleming has been awesome. I'm not saying they would, but I'd have a little bit of buyer's remorse almost right now if I'm a Sharks fan with Sean Johnson there. Because they went in to replace a Valentine Holmes. They didn't get a like for like. They got a marquee player, but they got a guy who 
in all honesty, hasn't strung a real full season together since probably the year they won the comp. They paid him a big hunk of money. And then you're looking at Kyle Flanagan, the way he's playing right now, and he's on a lot less money. And then you're looking at all these young kids and all these blokes are going to, to be upgraded, like your Uellies, your Jack Williamses, you got Bronson Shell. Like there's guys there that are going to be needed paid the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Sean Johnson going, like, do they really need to get him? They knew they had Kennedy. They upgraded a young kid, Braden Trindle, who was in the grand final for their under-20 side last year as another half, and you've got Flanagan. Mm. Plus Townsend, still on another year or two. So I love Sean Johnson, but it just seems that maybe before Morris got control and Flanagan was there, they just got a marquee player to replace a marquee player that possibly isn't going to be needed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. It's it's all a numbers game. I'm not saying he's not a good footballer, but with the way things lie and the way their team's playing and the pieces, like it's it's a big chunk of your salary cap for a guy that hasn't played a lot of footy. Agree. And I don't know if he's going to be able to come in and do. He, he probably on his day is better than Kyle Flanagan, but I'll, I'll take the 21 year old on a third of the price mm-hmm. compared to a 900 thousand dollar guy who's had a decade in the NRL and hasn't won a comp and hasn't strung together back to back consistent seasons. So, for Sharks fans, I thought your team was great in this game. Like I said, all those kids. They were great. Sherry looks so much better on the opposite side of the field. The left-hand carry and the left foot and playing outside Wade Graham. Man, if you were a centre and you had a guy like that, he, he was huge considering he's had all that time off. His stint on the field was great. His toughness, his ball skills, he made Sherry look good. Sherry just looks so much more comfortable as we spoke about with the opposite carry on the opposite side of the field being able to fend. Um, Mike Moylan sweeping around to the right hand side of the field they've got threats both sides of the park Chad Townsend's got it on a string mm-hmm. Kyle Flanagan's passes his goal kicking is back to where it needs to be uh, playing to the middle of the field all their forwards and even Fafita Fafita seems so much better with less stress with all the guys chipping in around him Gallon in his last season's been great I can't sing praise enough for him for the period they've gone through to get to where they are right now Parramatta the only real standard I was going to rap to was Nathan Brown who hasn't played since round one he got on the field and busted his ass. He's he's going to be a big positive for Parramatta. You want to talk about Tim uh, like team attitude? Well, I thought what Brad Arthur said post game. He said they need to learn how to be full time footballers, not part time footballers. Sums Parramatta season up. Mm. Well, and you know I heard there was some commentary on the footy show yesterday, so which I caught some of it. They win by um, eighteen and they lose by eighteen. That's wrong. Mark Gasnier came out post-game on Saturday and said that in every game this year that Parramatta have won, they've won by 19. In every game they've lost, they've lost by more than 19. And I just thought, do some research before you make comments. It's, it's wrong. They haven't they haven't won every game by 18. Mm. They haven't lost every game by... Um, I think they're just it was, about the it was 19 average. plus. The, well, he didn't... That's not what he said. He said every game they've won, they've won by 19 or more. And every game they've lost, they've lost by 19 or more. Like... Two weeks ago, they they only just got pipped by Penrith. Um, I don't know. I, ju- I just thought it was it was poor. Parramatta's form has been inconsistent. We know that. I thought Brad Arthur's comments were fair. I thought their performance was poor. Cronulla, they look like they're they're sizzling, don't they? They they're just a slow burn. They're going to improve every week as they get players back. Um, they're going to continue to improve, and they've got a good home field advantage there. Uh, so yeah, onwards and upwards for Cronulla. Mm, tough match this week against the Raiders, but. Probably not bad timing. I know they're coming off the origin sort of thing, but this is a real test. This is a real test game, and if they get this win going in to the standalone weekend and then coming off the back of that, if they've potentially only got one player again and Morris in the game, with the players they've got, they could easily arrest Morris again. But from what I saw on the weekend, I'd, I'd give real thought to swapping Morris from the left to the right like he plays in origin yeah. to let Sherry play on the left-hand side of the field. Dugan, uh, he seems to maybe have accepted now that he's not going to be playing fullbacker in the centres. I'd, I'd likely be playing him on the wing when Morris is back in the side. 
whether he kicks up a stink or not, I think it's it's what's best for the team. And surely by this time in his career, he's willing to accept that. Yeah, exactly. Aaron right. Gray, I'd push out of the side. No offense to him. He's right. He has some good moments, but he had some poor moments. I, I'd be putting Dugan on that wing on the right with Josh Morrison on the left hand side. I'd keep Sherry and Fecky. Mm. So yeah, there's some real opportunities there for Cronulla moving forward. That's for sure. Manly Cowboys. I thought this game was a real shootout. It was a real back and forth. Um, you know, the Cowboys have slowly been dragging themselves back towards the bottom end of the eight, regardless of a real hard start of the season. And they've gone through a lot of adversity. They really have. And Manly's had some adversity of their own and had a rough few weeks, but this was a critical game for both sides, realistically. Manly to held themselves into the eight. They got Tommy back, Jake and DC backed up. DC hasn't been playing, obviously, for the last seven weeks. You've got the Cowboys, who finally got Tamalola and a couple of their players back. They got a big win last week, missing a couple of guys to Origin. Um, but it just didn't turn out to be their night. On the back and forth, they lost Mitch Dunn late in the game. It looked like a real bad injury. Might have done something to his neck or his shoulder, which was a scary moment. Jordan McLean got like tipped upside down. Looked like he's hurt his hamstring. I'm not. Sh- I still haven't read anything like we said before, but that didn't look too good. Um, so the timing's just terrible. Michael Morgan backed up, played fullback. He was outstanding. Set up a couple of nice tries, but you know by the end of the game he was bleeding, busted up, had a real hard day. Jason Tamalolo ran for 300 metres. He was just absolutely ridiculous. The, the bloke is not human. It's not fair. It really isn't fair. Beast. Aziata. not get him over the line. Nah. Aziata playing in the halves has done a really good job. But, yeah, it just seems that every week they face a new challenge or they lose somebody. But for Manly, um, you know, full credit to them. They, they jumped out to a quick lead. Their two front rowers have been massive all year. But Martin Tapia and Fenua Blake. Tapia laid two quick play the balls. They scored from both back rowers, just getting at a half. They jumped out to a nice lead early. Uh, not too long after that, I think it was at the other end of the field, just before half-time, the Cowboys struck back, got three quick tries, which was absolutely crazy how quickly that turned around. Then they come out in the second half, the Cowboys. A man gets put in the bin, which is Jack Kazuski, and I thought this is their opportunity to kick on, and nearly end up scoring one against the runner of play when Cherry Evans put that kick in, and I think it was Cust, who's made a real fist of his opportunity. Um, he's been great, and... He's obviously also got himself an opportunity there to play with DCE in front of LG and Croker. So maybe Cuss moving forward ends up being the long-term partner there. But Manly, at the end of the day, I'd be really, really happy with this. The Cowboys would be devastated. They lost a couple of players. Ruben Cotter was a real good story on the night. A hooker for them has had some ACL injuries. But that ended up really hurting at the back end of the game. Yeah. They put him on for like a 10-minute stint, took Granville off. So they've basically burned two subs when we talk about subs that hurt. Um, and then not long after that, they had the two injuries. They ran out of subs. So they finished the game with 12 players. They had 10 minutes where they still had opportunities, yeah. but that, that really hurts. That well, really, they also really knocked hurts. back taking the two Yeah, at one stage here and went on the attack, which you, you know, in hindsight you can always be critical. But I, Manly were just tough. Uh, it was clear with about 10 to go that they once they scored that try to go ahead, they were just going to batten down the hatches and try and stop the Cowboys from scoring. And the I Cowboys had their chances. They really did. They um, came after them, but yeah. It's, I just, yeah, I feel bad. Like, some things were self-inflicted, but, yeah, they, they haven't had a good time with injuries. Morgan was forced to play fullback. I didn't think that spine looked too bad, in all honesty. But the situation they've been put in, given what's happening, uh, yeah, really, really hard situation for them to be in right now as far as players. And then, speaking of a moment, actually, that we should bring up and some referee moments over the weekend, Josh McGuire and that apparent eye gouge, which looked very much like an eye gouge in a second one. Yeah. You've got a crazy uh, just question how fucking crazy it is that Hudson Young, as dumb as it was, and he basically tried to treat Aiden Tolman's face like a bowling ball, sticking his hands in his face, that 
Josh McGuire got away with one from Munster because he was his mate and he didn't want to do anything about it, so they just gave him a fine. But apparently he gets a second one on the weekend and gets a second fine. So where's the consistency in that? How does Hudson Young and the Canberra Raiders feel right now, mm. seeing that's a second incident, whether it's a soft one or a bad one? Like you've gone for someone's face twice. You've gone for eyes twice. It's just it's a no-go, full stop. Where's like he's an origin player? I, I don't Are they given leniency because he's no, going to play origin? I have no idea where the consistency. Like, where, is. where the I, fuck do you come up with the decision no like idea. that from? So Josh McGuire, like dead set, uh, he's a hard footballer. It's almost taken the piss. He play, he plays, he plays a hard game. He plays a dirty game, and he's a good footballer, but he's a grub. Plain and simple, <laughs> he's a fucking grub. Like, <laughs> he's a grub. Dead set. He's a good footballer, but mate, like you just. And you know what? The bloke he did it to, I'm not going to apologise for who he did it to because it was Dylan Walker. He's also a grub. But at the same time, like, the eye gouge, and to do it twice in the season, just cop two fines. The NRL's taking the piss. The match review committee, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Hudson Young was stupid to do what he did. But how a bloke can get seven weeks and then take the guilty play and get five, but another bloke gets two fines and he's going to be able to play Origin. Like, you know, I might just go to work tomorrow and just start poking everyone in the eye. See what happens. It's a fair game. Eye gouge city. Let it, let it ride. Do it, do it. <laughs> it's, it's just happening. But, yeah, I just I saw that at the end of the game and just thought, wow, this is crazy about the inconsistency. And same as the what I thought were two headbutts live in that game there that the bunker, as we talked about, the Newcastle one, how they didn't spot those two. Both Burgeyes threw a big head. Me and you are no shame to big heads. We've got massive heads. But I tell you what, if you get headbutted, you throw them down. Hmm. Poor Lachlan Fitzgibbon, all he did was try to break it up and he got a headbutt for his trouble. That's right. It's, uh, yeah, Cowboys... Yeah, poor bastards. Started to pull themselves back in. Good win for Manly. Props great. Halves, Tom, errors, couple of try assists. Jake, huge. Titans, Broncos. I'm going to leave this one to you. 26-18. What about those Titans? Well, they were good. They were uh, They were good. They... I guess they took their opportunities. Brisbane didn't. I think that was the difference in the game. Brisbane started to take them late in the game, uh, which was... I guess frustrating for Anthony Seabold because it was quite clear that they could bust the Titans open when they held on to possession. But uh, the Gold Coast, I thought, was scrappy. They were still making those poor errors, but I guess the difference in the game was they were able to defend their line and turn Brisbane away or, or Brisbane made errors and did some silly things when they had their opportunities. But, um, yeah, the, I thought the one player that's really I'm really enjoying watching is clearly AJ Brimson, but... Arthur's who's playing right centre at the moment. He looks the player of the future, and I'd have no He's qualms a letting. Boy. I'd have no qualms letting um, Torrin Peachy go. Like you just, said, you yeah. want guys that are hungry and keen to play football for he you. He looks for your club. bloody hungry. Brian Kelly, uh, Gold Coast Junior. So I think we we look really good in the centres at the moment. We've got two very young, capable centres. Just need to get better defensively. That's all. They do, but that's going to come with the more time they play first grade. I think yeah. it's more their application defensively and their yeah. concentration defensively. Well, you've also got two guys that are leading the way in your forward pack, and Jair, who came there from an opportunity from Brisbane. He's... I think they're getting hurt by the fact. That the halves combination hasn't really yeah, stayed stuck this year. We've had hookers injuries in the hooker position, You've changed the fullback full position. Yeah, also hasn't been stable. And I've got to be honest, you have got two back rowers there who are overpaid for the performances they're putting out. I think Proctor's been better the last month, but Bryce Cartwright um, has been poor. I think Proctor fractured his eye on the weekend, yeah. so he's like, which is disappointing because be... I, I thought he was starting to come into some sort of form and building some combinations there, but. Mm. That's also been a, a bit of an issue this year. Fotuaka. 
He's going enormous. 19 years old. Enormous. He's, they, they, need to, they need to not lock him up. Don't go and give him a big contract it's or just, it's em- overpay him, but he needs to be rewarded for the way he's playing. It's embarrassing, though, when you've got a guy, like you said, boy, I, I whether you want to be there or not, when you come in and you've played Origin, or you haven't played Origin, you've played for Australia. He's embarrassed. You're supposed to be the big man. You've got a 19-year-old front rower. Like, surely, if you've got pride in yourself as a footballer, like, forget contracts and not being wanting to be somewhere. Mm. Like, if that doesn't light a fire under your ass, don't want to get behind and get on board and do your job, I don't know what will. Yeah. I really don't know what will. But real positives in him, Brimson, Kelly, Arthur's, like you said, the halves pairing. You know what you're going to get from Jax. I played against Riley Jax in the bloody 20s at the Roosters, and he was the same guy then. Big body, great defensively. He's not a super attacking player, but he kicks well does his job, steers the team around the park. Exactly what they need from Ash Taylor. It's not the flashy stuff. Roberts has got enough of that in his game. And he proved it again with a nice run yesterday yep. where Darius Boyd did the James Brown. I mean, I can't go on. And just fell over and didn't tackle him. Um, but those two looked a solid pairing. You know what you're going to get from Pete's. Rain is the change-up player off the bench. That works out nicely. Um, there were some positives. But I think, like you said, for Brisbane, maybe they underestimated him a little bit. They come out a little flat. They had a couple of guys not back up. I think Corey Oates is... It's hard to say you miss a winger in a lot of games, but I really think they miss Corey Oates. Like, for set starting, like, he's massive for them. Um, Gillette, obviously, defensively hurt having him not play. And I think the other one that was really understated is Tommy Dearden getting injured early. He's made a huge difference to everyone on that side, and especially Anthony Milford. When he went off the park, they looked a little bit lost. Yeah, it's a good point. They really got lost. And that's a massive thing to say about an 18-year-old. That he's apparently going to be missing possibly. Well, he's getting he's getting better every week, and that's you want to see that development. Yeah. But I, I think he's come along. Um, Turpin played quicker. Well. I think quicker did than what they expected, and yeah, he's been Turpin's been good as well. well he's pushing to stay there. To be honest, like I know McCulloch's locked in, but I don't think they want to let Turpin go. No, given the situation they're in right now, a few of those forwards were disappointing. To be honest, I expected a little bit more from a couple of those young forwards, and again. Uh, there was a couple of guys there that could have thrown their hand up and, and made a statement yesterday against the Titans who they were heavily favoured against. But, yeah, disappointing, I guess, when they started to build some momentum and lose that game. and uh, It might bite them in the arse later. We don't know. But that's one of those ones you would have hoped if you were Brisbane and Seabold that if you're going to rest a few guys, you, you might jag that win. Whether it was tight or not, you would have liked to have got that done. Correct. So that hurts. Panthers, Roosters, uh, ugly. Plain and simple. It was ugly. But the amount of hoo-ha and freak out, and, oh, this is what's happening, oh, Maloney. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I love Maloney. I really do. But he's had a bad year. He was great yesterday, but let's really put it into context. They played the Roosters off origin, minus five or six players. All right? And the Roosters still had opportunities to win that game, still had opportunities to get themselves back into it. They bombed a few tries. And if Penrith was serious, they should have put more points on, in all honesty. Yeah. yeah I was fair. still really impressed, and I'm going to give raps to certain guys. Kick out was huge again. Nath, that defensive effort late in the game, the way he defends, the way he plays in general. Maloney, yes, he was good. But their young brigade is more who I want to give a rap to. Since mm-hmm. Mitch Kenny, Liam Martin, these kind of guys, Brent Naden have got their opportunity. I think it's a little fire again, as we spoke again, under the arse of the older players yeah. to pull their finger out and get behind them. Isaiah Yo, full credit for playing with a busted shoulder and putting in the effort he did. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like just 
they seem to be, again, not playing great football at the moment, but they're at least doing the bare minimum as a coach that you'd want. They're galvanised, they're busting their ass, they're trying hard. There's aggression, there's energy, there's intent, and they got home. Whether it was a weak inside or not, you, you only play what's in front of you. They grabbed a third win in a row, and they're keeping themselves slightly alive here. Yeah, I said it in the preview last week that, you know, if they did win, uh, I was always going to say that it was against an understrength team and et cetera, et cetera. But the thing for Penrith is they're winning. I think there's an upside here for the Roosters still, though. Yeah, oh, there is. When you get time into Tupanua, you get more time into like your Radleys. They got Verrills another game who played at nine. Ryan Hall got a second game. He's still off that injury. You know, you got guys like that, and then like your Nat Butchers, who I'm a big fan of. These guys getting more game times only a positive to me for the Roosters, because yeah. if everyone comes back as I spoke about for them and South, you've got guys to call on, and you've got natural competition. And the better your top thirty is, the better you're going to go at the back end of the season yeah, if you have to correct. call on someone. So, yeah. if they get healthy, I'm still not worried about the Roosters. Uh, I thought Tedesco did a massive job to back up. It wasn't one of his best games, but he had a huge game in Origin. Like it, it's still a big effort, even if you had to have a couple of days rest. Cooper Cronk. He was a bit so-so. He, he tried his hardest, but again, he's been in and out this year as well. So I think for them, it's just getting all the players back, getting through Origin, just getting things synchronised nicely for a final run. So Penrith, full credit to you. Still plenty going on behind the scenes. Be interesting to see if Tyron Peachy's confirmed this week or in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and if not, what, what they do. And if Wanga Blake possibly is on the out, I don't know what's going on there, but some of these younger guys and Cleary's changes, it seems like there's a bit more buy-in and things are slowly starting to turn. So, yeah, see what happens on their side. And the last game was the one we watched just before Dragons-Dogs, which doesn't need a lot of explanation. The Dogs are probably the worst side in the competition, not by effort, by roster. But, yeah, it's as, as the year goes further and further on, it gets harder and harder to get up for games. I thought the effort was there, but they're just not... They just don't have the quality in their team. They don't. They really don't. No, they don't. They had a couple of moments, but, yeah, I think it was all summed up with the first minute the Dragons were struggling. The dogs were full of energy, full of beans. They grabbed themselves an early trial, but once things steadied out, Corey Norman, massive difference for the Dragon side. He just makes Ben Hunt a better player, takes the pressure off him. We all know Hunt's better when he can just pick and choose his moments, has someone helping him out. Vaughan, Frizzell on the backup were outstanding. Thought Corbin Sims brought a, a different change off the bench. Laurie, who they've just re-signed for a couple of years, just does a solid job. Host is growing. They re-changed their edges again. Lomax Aitken, that looks like maybe the go going forward for them. Um, the wings have changed multiple times. Probably the big thing for me for the Dragons is their back three didn't burn them today. No. Most weeks we've watched them, their back three's had a comedy of errors, put them in a bad position, burn out their middles because they've had to defend set after set and put them right on the back foot. Today their back three was excellent. Yep. Uh, and like I said, Norman and the halves really led from the front. So, yeah, dogs. I thought Napa tried hard. Jackson tries hard as he does every week. Foreign and... They were up against it early on after Tarek Sims put a fair and clean shot on Cogger, but buried Cogger, basically, and they lost a half. It was always going to be a harder task when they lost him. They had some chances, as Foreign spoke about in the post game, when Marshall King cut through a couple of times, and they had a try disallowed when Martin was caught on the inside shoulder. But end of the day, even if the Dragons missing a few, I still think they're, they're a better side than what the Dogs are. So, tough ass for the Doggies. Yeah. There you go. They're just... Yeah. The Doggies, as you said, the effort's fantastic. That was that was impressive for the Dragons. I think that might have been the kill they needed. You, you take a horse that's struggling out for an easy kill, and it looked a little bit like that for the Dragons today. So hopefully they can gain a little bit of confidence to take into the back end of the year. Hopefully it also gives those Origin boys a bit of a boost because, as you, as you said off air, they've gone from, what, losing five in a row plus Origin, six games in a row. Mm. They haven't experienced a win for a while. So It's just good for all For them. blokes like Vaughnie and, um, and, and, and uh, Frizzell, they'll be... 
thinking, well, it's nice to be back in the winner's circle. Big game this week. Who do they play this week? Manly at go. Brookvale. And Manly yeah. weren't happy last time. And they rolled time. them, yeah, last time. So but This is big going into camp because this can entrench Manly well and truly into the eight before they go off for that standalone weekend with eight wins or it could drag the Dragons back into the bottom half yeah. and be one behind Manly, possibly Raiders, Sharks, Knights, etc. depending on the results. Yeah. So after that, like I said, that lean period, because of the log jam, the Raiders could be straight... Uh, sorry, the, the Dragons could be straight back into the eight. Yeah. That's just how things have panned out this season. Big point to come out of this, I guess, is all the talk over the weekend. They got Dallin, Andrew Hill, there's Jizzy GM or the CEO, whatever bloody all his role is. Yeah, that dogs. CEO. He was on the I radio think. defending a lot of the chatter that's coming out of the club that Dean Pays basically you know, knows that he's going to only have that extra year. They're apparently signing sounding out Flanagan to take over when they've got a clean cap situation and moving forward, which is very interesting to me because surely if you were going to be doing that, you'd have to sound out the NRL that if two years or however long it is is enough time for them to consider registering. Correct. And then on the flip side of Flanagan, I didn't mention before with the Roosters, probably the craziest piece of news out of all these bits and we didn't have it in the set of six is the talk I said at the start of the year that I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Flanagan went to the Roosters because his dad was there. Mm-hmm. And he had a clause because he's no longer there. But the talk is now that if Johnson comes back mid-season, that he'll activate that clause and the Roosters will pick him up possibly mid-year. Mid-year? Yes. Wow. I'm not going to... I don't have any def, definite on that, but there was a few bits and pieces I got yesterday talking that there is a possibility that with that clause, he can go ASAP. So if, imagine if you're the Roosters and you have Kiri out and you can put Flanagan the way he's been playing with Cronk for the time being then if he doesn't finish the year playing, he's going to learn from Kronk and Kiri and then assume that role next year. That's yeah. that's a double win for the Roosters if that somehow pans out. Like, Watch that, how that unfolds. I'm not guaranteeing that happens, but there's been enough smoke there to kind of hint that something's being pushed for if Johnson comes back and he's not going to be playing first grade. Yeah. And that's a long-term spot, obviously, like I just said, because Johnson's in the way. So there's a real possibility, and that's where Flanagan came up. That's where he started. Yeah. So keep your eyes on that one because that could be massive. Mm-hmm. It could really be massive, but fan questions, Boxhead. There's a fair few this week. We'll we endeavour to get through these in our 250th. If you've already basically put something up that we've covered, we'll likely brush past it fairly quickly or we'll brush past it, so don't be disappointed. But if you've listened for the whole way through, you would have had your question answered. Correct. Scott Vandenwerf, are the injuries the Chooks have suffered going to cost them or help them when they get their full team back? Well, I think we just said help them get their... I think it's going to help them. Yeah. Better depth in your top 30. Better experience. Gary Fieldswan, who wins a fight, Adam Mogg or Glenn Buttress? Buttress. Buttsy's a tough hooker. He'd smoke Moggy. Yeah. He'd put a couple on his chin, don't you worry. Mitch Madley, no question, but a huge thank you. Hopefully another 250. More to come, legends. Much appreciated, champion. Brett Sharman, thoughts on ripping players' boots off in tackles? I thought this went away a few seasons ago after James Maloney was caught. Seems to be back. Is it just something to laugh off? Should it be a professional foul or a sin binning? If the NRL turns a blind eye, will it lead to coaches teaching players to do it to keep? Well, Freddie said players? that on. Um, he said that on uh, the footy show yesterday. I heard heard him say that that someone in Origin had their boot thrown away and they played without it for six minutes, and it's a player welfare thing. I, apparently, the, he had a conversation with the NRL, the referees' boss, and he laughed. And Freddie sort of said, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to teach my players to do it," and he sort of backtracked and said, "Okay, look, it it, it is something that we need to look at." So. Mm. And I guess it is. I don't think it's a huge it's deal. A, it's, a, it's a, yeah. Like, I don't think they go into tackles looking for, if you, you end up not. with a boot and you're on the ground and someone pulls and you're holding on, it comes off, you know, the games and shit, you love it. But I don't think players are going to be purposely looking to rip boots off and lob them. So no. I'm not making a huge deal out of it. Jamie Christopher Green, as a new subscriber, welcome champion. Hello, welcome. mate. 
tell me more about your background as players, positions, best game as a junior, anything. Talk yourselves up. We don't really like to talk ourselves up, we do we, Boxer? No, we don't like talking about ourselves. I guess if you want a quick insight on that, we both played, you know, your junior levels coming through, your mats, your ball, up to, what, you, you've got up to flag, Premier League? Flag, yeah. I played one Premier League trial. So you got up to that kind of level? out of my depth. Oh, you had injuries too. Yeah, I had a few injuries. You had the shoulder front and back. I'm the absolute walking cripple. We're both Penrith juniors. Brock finished up at the Parramatta Eels. I finished up at the Canberra Raiders, under 20 side of things. I've got two bung knees and a bung shoulder, reattached biceps, uh, good times. Been on the operating table a fair bit and uh, best junior games. I wouldn't go with that in depth, but yeah, we're two guys that played a decent level of well, football. we won a one and a life cup at school. St. Dom's, over, yeah. Over um, in Rugby Denver. league school at Dommies. So I was fortunate enough to be um, a part of that side. Mm. I was in year 11 and I was on the bench that day. I didn't get on, but I was a part of it. Mm. Um, and it was a side full of Australian schoolboys and uh, a lot of guys from Endeavour that were talked up. We were supposed to get smashed in that game. We won 28 nil, and a lot of the guys that were said to be future superstars for Endeavour never really went anywhere. So mm-hmm. uh, that was, yeah, probably the, the best junior game I played in. But you go back to club footy, doesn't matter where yeah. you play club footy. Club footy's the best. We won, uh, we won four grand finals in a row, went to five grand finals in a row, lost the first one in horrendous circumstances. Um, but yeah, then won the next four in a row and those those boys are still mates now mm. because of club footy's it's the best. I School we... and club footy when you're 17, 18, mm. 19, 20, like when when it's the end of your age group football, you will not play um, or have better years as a uh, growing up as a footballer. And best. I think you've just touched on my favourite part, not even so much games, was the friends I made from football. Yeah. My some of my best mates and all the weddings the last few years and things I've been involved with are because of rugby league. Yeah. Uh, my mate from school, Daniel, who didn't go on to play a whole lot of rep football, but he's one of my best mates. Vaughny, obviously, who's playing at the Dragons, are playing rep football now. I live with him in Canberra. He's one of my best mates. Like, it's the people you meet in football yeah. that I remember more than anything. We were lucky enough to play at a decent enough level. We both had some injury concerns. By no means were either of us ever going to play first grade. I can clearly say now I was definitely not going to play first grade. I always say this when people say, could you have played first grade? There were worse players than me that have played first grade. But it's there are far better players timing. than me that haven't yeah. played first grade. Some guys play purely timing, situation, right place, right time. Yeah. And injuries is 95% of it so. than anything. If you stay healthy, anything can happen. Yeah. But we had good junior careers. We now love coaching. We're involved in junior apps. I do a bit of commentate for the New South Wales Cup, and we both just love rugby league. Love it. So welcome, Jamie. Dominic Coogan, could you play Pierce at six and Cleary at seven? Yes. 100%. It's just basically playing sides of the field. Cleary plays right, and Pierce, since he's been at Newcastle, has predominantly played left. And yep. he could play a dominant role and play both sides and link with Cleary if he really wanted to. So I don't think that's an issue. Boxhead, you agree? I agree. There you go. Dominic, uh, sorry, Scott Brony, if Wade Graham has a solid game this weekend, would you like to see him take Crichton's spot? I wouldn't pick him off two games with an ACL, Scotty. I love Wade Graham, and if anyone's been on this bandwagon long enough, I think Brock would back me up. I don't think anyone banged Wade Graham's drum for a couple of years later than we did on this show, and in particular me. I was, I'll tell you what, if he comes out and has a barnstormer this weekend... You'd be up for it? I, I still think it's hard to turn down Madison from what yeah, he's done. Yeah, that's fair. But that's more that's my point. And then but in saying that... Two games for an ACL, that's, um, that's hard. Wade Graham's been there and done that. He has, but it was only one series, wasn't it? Or one and a half? I'm not sure, but I know for a fact he's been there and done it. Madison hasn't. Yeah, trust me. Depends what I like him, wanna, but, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I think he said on the radio when I listened today when I was driving that next this weekend they're going to up his minutes, but he's not going to be playing a full game. Okay. So I think it's pretty hard to throw him straight back into that arena. Yeah. 
but uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, Scotty. So just I just don't think I'd be able to pull the trigger just yet. Greg Barrow, how good's the mid-season play movement keeps things interesting? Well, I think we agree we enjoy it just if it was a bit more constructive for chaos, that's all. If they had two like windows, end of season and mid-season, I think they'd work out nicely. But I'll never complain about rugby league being all through the papers. That's the one positive for it. So I agree with you there. Yeah. Duncan Bridgeford, thoughts on RTS saying he was happy with how the Warriors defended. I want what he's on. Well, I said it in our review. I don't know what Roger was saying either. Mate, a lot of the time, players and coaches just try to say things to keep the players up or to deflect what's happened to try and keep the playing group up and then speak about it behind closed doors. But I certainly would have been happy coming into halftime at 10-8 and then to get blown out 32-10. to 10. That's not something to be happy with. No. Four tries in the second half. No. NRL fantasy experts, is a massive congrats on 250. Been listening for the past few years. You guys always give such great analysis of the game. Speaking on analysis, if you would pick your greatest spine of the past 10 years, example, would you pick a 20-year-old Slater or Ponga now? What would they be? Keep I'd it pick up. Ponga now, but in Ponga, terms of the footballer overall, I'd pick Slater. Ponga now has more to his game already than what Billy did at this point in time. Billy had to construct himself as his player and work ridiculously hard, but Peak Billy Slater, and even like last year watching Billy play, like Billy's career as a whole was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. If Ponga can do that over a 10-year period or longer and do what Slater's done, he could probably challenge the mantle of Billy Slater. But that's what we've talked about before when people got obsessed with GI having one year at fullback and going, oh, he's better than Billy. It's the body of work. That's right. It's not one season. If it was one season, you'd give Jared Hayne one of the mantles for being one of the better fullbacks of all time. It is your career. Billy Slater was excellent personified for 10-plus years yeah. and then come off two years off of his shoulder where we thought he was finished and had two more cracker seasons. So if Ponga puts a decade together of Billy Slater, Ponga's going to be someone of a fucking player. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. That's that's legit. Switch City Committee. Who would win in a bout between Buzz Rothfield and Wayne Bennett? Oh, <laughs> mate, Wayne would beat the piss out of Buzz, I think. You reckon? Mate, Wayne still gets to the gym. He may look like Slender Man off that horror movie, but I tell you what, he'd be like a spider. He'd do jits, Buzz, I reckon. He'd get his back, get his long limbs, and he'd choke Buzz out. I don't know. Buzz would be frothing to his knee from the side of his mouth while Wayne has him hooked up, I reckon. I don't know. He'd put him in the triangle, but I tell you I'd, what. I'd have a sneaky tenor on Buzz. If you come at Buzz, mate, he might pull out his pen and try and shiv him one in the stomach, or if he had a schooner glass in his hand, I'm sure he'd be pretty deadly. I'd, I'd go with Buzz. You reckon he'd be the Jackie Chan of schooner glasses? Fuck him up. Shatter one and shard him one in the neck. Try and take Wayne down. I reckon he'd get him. I'll tell you what, old man fight. Great. Nothing better. better. Uh, Remember seeing one down at the Paceway, Penrith Paceway, years ago. How good. They must have been in their 60s, these two blokes. And thought you you could have had a cup of tea before the uh, the punch was cocked and it was thrown. Outstanding. It's poor behaviour. Lee Turner, on Parramatta's problems, coach or players? Players are definitely not standing up and the coach has made some terrible calls of late. Who shoulders the responsibility? Uh, both. It always ends up going back to the coach, but I feel sorry for Brad Arthur because his playing group's taking the piss. A couple of blokes... Sure, you love backing the fucking A couple of blokes... Oh, backing the coaches. Because when, when, you, when, you, when you spend enough time around it, as you know, like some blokes you just look at and go, you guys really are taking the piss. Like you just, I you, get it. You're not in. Uh, Brad Arthur... But is, his job is to get a response. And I, I made know. the same argument against with Newcastle. But, he, but there's a different situation. And it's situation. been proven that he's got the... He's got 14 guys off contract and there's blokes still going up and down like a seesaw every single week. So if you want to get yeah. re-signed, you're not really going the right way without keeping yourself at the club. A lot of people weren't happy, obviously, midweek that Mitchell Moses got re-signed for three years for $2.5 million. The argument is that's basically market value for halves. The flip side how, of that how is... How long's the deal? Three years? Three years. 
800,000 basically a season. But we're talking most... On, on best form, he's, wor- he's worth that. Well, Ash Taylor for a million or Mitchell Moses for eight, I'd take Moses before Taylor. Definitely. And that's saying something. Definitely. Moses Empire, when he was playing at the Dogs on 8.50 as a half, Moses 800, I'd take Mitchell Moses. And I'm not a big fan, as most people have listened to the show over the past couple of years, of Mitchell Moses. No, you're not. But I could definitely back up that a couple of player contracts for halves, if you want to talk money and value, I would take Moses for 800000 over a lot of the guys that are out there and some of the money they're getting paid. Yeah. Um, it's that's the market. You are it's worth market, what someone's man. willing to pay. Halves get top dollar, mate. But I do think it's starting to come down a little bit, even if it's only a couple hundred thousand dollars. A couple of years ago, it seemed to be a million, million, over a million dollars. You got DC over. You got Ben Hunter reportedly got one point two million dollars. Like if you look at that right now, and Ben Hunter asks for that tomorrow as a mm-hmm. half, if you're the Dragons, you say no way. Yeah. So you right. want to talk about again value for money? Yeah, I don't think they've done too bad. Rick Mack, well done, fellas. Keep up the work. Surely Ash Taylor is done. He couldn't steer a trolley through a goal's little over time. Good call. Well, we spoke about it before. I said to Brock, if, if he went in right now and said he wanted out to go to another club or just go on full stop, I don't think that he'd have any trouble getting ushered out the door. I, I think I'd, they'd sign I'd the paperwork. I'd give him a box of Krispy Kremes and a tap on the arse. Tap on the arse. Say, so well done, son. Well done. Good boy. Love it. Dane Johnson, congrats on the big 250. Listen to you guys on the way to work. Who's the player you would love to have watched play but didn't get a chance to? Mine is Phil Blake. Um, Ken Irvine. Ken Irvine, try-scoring yeah, champion. Just how fast and elusive and quick. Uh, and then, obviously, Daly Messenger would be one as well. Well, again, he's, the medal's named after him, isn't it? So. Yeah, I'd like to see him in the flesh. You know what? I don't know if I could say a person, but I'd, I would have loved to have been at a ground when Canberra were at their peak. Growing up, like yeah. I was too young, but they kind of were red hot when I was just born and the year before in 91, 94. I don't really remember. I'd love to be at a ground like we are now and we go watch a game and you get to appreciate things live. I'd love to see the full strength camera teams of the early days when they were just absolutely terrorizing everyone. Um, because that seems to be the one thing that I commonly hear at sports luncheons, older blokes I spoke to, that they seem to be the team that everyone refers to. Yeah, or the Brisbane Broncos side of 92 and 93. But yeah, probably that camera side for me. Daniel Ryan, 250 not out. Congrats. Been meaning to ask this for ages. Who does the sign-off at the end of the show? Is that it? Always reminds me of Chopper. It's Chop Chop. It is Chop Chop. Uncle Chop Chop. Hello. Hello. Wrote a bloody bestseller. It's still bloody selling. Still selling. And I can't even spell. Outstanding. King Kong. King. (laughs) Show him, Bucky. Show him. He bloody copycat. Fucking copycat. Stole me tattoo. Would you believe it? Uh, You said I wouldn't get out today, boss, did you? Look who's leaving, huh? Yeah. Chop Chop. We love a bit of Chop Chop. Luke Della, Riley Jacks re-sign again. Next year, I'll take a punt on Taylor. Oh, Riley Jacks, please. Well, well you need extra halves anyway, so you'd re-sign Jacks regardless if you're the Titans. You'd be crazy not to. You've got a guy there who does a solid job on piss weight money. Like, it's it's a well worth keeping around. Yeah. No doubt about that. I don't think that's an argument. Norbert Glench, what resource or book would you recommend for people wanting to educate themselves on the game? Is there a league for half-intelligent fuckers who used to watch AFL? Brock, you're the book man, not me. Is there anything rugby league-wise? I don't read a lot of rugby league books. I've got to be you lead, very, you, very, very, You read honest. more of the coaches, better the coaches around the world, don't you? Yeah, I read a lot of um, a lot of American books at the moment. I'm reading Bill Belichick's book at the moment, if you're happy about that. I uh, read, Bill recently Bill read um, Michael Lombardi's book. Um, yeah, Gridiron Genius yeah, or whatever. got a few that I'm sort of working my way through, but it's um, it also... Uh, yeah, it's the, just just some research Ooh. into coaching. Most of the stuff, most of the reading that I do, I 
It's difficult because I, I think there's not a lot out there for people who don't know about the ins and outs of the game. There's not a lot of information out there. There's not really a good no. book. There's Most not really kept. a good show because I, you know, what frustrates me watching the Matty John show is how comical it becomes. It's not so much about football, and I, I don't know. They they may they, they may argue. Well, that's what rates, and I guess oh, that's, it does that's rate, their clearly. that's their core business um, is to get ratings. But for me, as a as a nut, like I I couldn't give a shit what Flesh and Heine do. They're skid every week. I just fast mm. forward through that. I want to hear him talk about games and analysis mm. and opinions and things like that. And for me, on on his shows, they're few and far between. So for someone trying to educate themselves, it, it is difficult. Um, I'd probably suggest listening to Matty Johns' podcast. That's that's pretty good. They give a pretty yeah. good insight on that. That's a better mix of football and humour. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of rugby league podcasts. Again, I, I listen to um, Gus's podcast because I, I respect his opinion and his longstanding um, success in the game. Uh, Matty's I listen to every now and then. It's not... It's one that I listen to every week. Most of the stuff I listen to uh, is American based or European based. So I'm I'm actually working my way through a Star Wars podcast at the moment. So. Wow! Because I just I like I like a break away from footy. If I'm reading or I'm I'm at school three days a week, I've got footy. I've got mm. stuff with the West Tigers at the moment. That's footy. I'm doing stuff with the twenties. So that's I, I get enough footy oh. with this and watching games and then doing the stuff I'm doing without listening to it as well. I love Bill Simmons because I like the basketball and the NFL and the, the betting and just some of the random stories with his cousins and all that. That's more yeah, of an American one. Bill Simmons is the king. Cowherd shortened ones during NFL season. I love when he talks NFL, not really basketball. I'm, off uh, I'm more of a comedy person too. I like Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen, Fighter and the Kid. They're good for a laugh every so Rogan, often. Rogan's good. King and the Sting, which is Schaub again, and Theo Vaughn. They, they, they're quite funny. I'll tell you what's actually a really underrated one. If you want like good actors or comedians mixed in, Conan O'Brien's one. Conan O'Brien wants to be friends. Yeah, no, and he gets on some big actors and they have a good chat and it's actually quite funny. So there are a couple I listen there to. Yeah, there's a there's a little secret I've let slip on but, the 250th. Star Wars fan. Norbert. You hate Star Wars. I watched the first three. But, I love it. Yeah. Norbert, there's nothing really book wise I can give you, mate. Unfortunately, rugby league that's based on, you know, the game somewhat itself. But yeah. Hopefully we keep getting some bits and pieces out here that can help you keep learning about the game. Adam Mingare says, with the NRL stamping out, punching in the game, should the person that throws the first punch be sent from the game and the person reallocating go to the bin? I think sent off for the whole game is a bit harsh. I think both going to the bin... It depends how severe it is, isn't it? Yeah, if you've knocked someone out cold or you've dog shot at someone, you should be sent off. If you've just fucking... It's it's pretty hard not to retaliate, though. So, like, you know you're going to the bin once you throw it back. What are you supposed to do? Just cop it. I don't know if you could send someone for the whole game, but more maybe the severity, mate, like Brock's just said, if you, like, go... Bloody, what was his name? Who was the guy from Melbourne? King at Mark O'Neill. That's a send-off every day of the week. Yeah, um, Danny Williams. Danny Williams, wow. That was bad. He punched his head clean off his shoulders. Poor behaviour. Wow. Matt Roberts, what impact does the Dallin signing have for the Bulldogs? Well, it's a quality player in their roster. The only thing is, like I said before, unfortunately for Dogs fans, I I don't know if it's going to be a long stay. I really do think that the 18 months thing kind of signals the intention to possibly only stay in for next season and possibly move on again. So... um, for now, it's an extra quality player and they could do with all the help they can get. Pat Crosby, will my contents insurance cover me throwing a brick at the TV whenever I see Darius Boy play? What a flog, end of rank. Keep up with the work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think he's actually been better the last couple of weeks, champion, but I know a lot of people straight away again were uh, absolutely burning when they saw him fall over and do what I said earlier. The James Brown dropped to the knee. I can't go on when he let 
Tyne Roberts slide through and score there yesterday. But mm. um, I'd be more frustrated as a Broncos fan knowing they re-signed him for four more years. And this is only, I think, the first of the four. Enjoy that. Um, yeah, with, with what's coming through and trying to make adjustments to your side, I think the deals of him and McCulloch are ones that Seabold is going to have to work with or either try and get rid of. But I don't know if he's going to be able to. Ben Nobes, you're coaching the Roosters in 2020 and due to some clever cap management, you have Tedesco, Ponga and RTS new team. Who's the full black and where are the other two playing? Well, you could play two of these guys in different positions, I'd assume. But Tedesco, Ponga and Sheck, who's your fullback? I would probably go with Ponga. I'll go Tedesco. You go Tedesco, what, play Ponga in the halves and play Sheck on a wing? Yeah, that's fair enough. I think yep. I think the way Sheck's ball playing has developed the last couple of years, he could play as a six if you really wanted him to as well mm. in the front line. But yeah, from a fullback perspective, I could see where you're coming from. I'd probably think I'd rather Ponga playing both sides of the field though and then have one of those other two on the halves. But Tedesco, I don't really see as a front line player. So from what you've said, yeah, probably Tedesco is your best option because fullback's really the only spot he can play. I know, mate. Ponga can play in the halves and RTS coming back from a kick return on the wing. Those two can link up. Swap between fullback and wing if they wanted to. Throw up different shapes and variety. You can run that kind of sweep play where you bring him from the far side of the field, check off the wing, like they like to do with Brisbane and Corey Oates the last few weeks and get him involved. Yeah. Or you I can like split them. You can split fullbacks both sides of the field and have double sweeps playing off your halves if you wanted to. But you could do that. There's a way to do it. Jack Neymar, Mike Wynn, mid-season rookie of the year. Mate, from your team, you've got a picture of the Sharkies. The mid-season rookie of the year to me is still Brick Nakora. I think Britt Nakora has been absolutely outstanding. I'd say Bronson Cherry. In his handful of games, I think he's made too many errors. He's a gun. I think yeah, Nakora's a gun too. Yeah. They've got some good players there at the Sharks, that's for sure. Very, very good situation for the Sharks. Christian Wynn, congrats on 250. Does every team need one mad as a cut snake forward? Yes. It definitely helps, like we said before, say like a Nathan Brown with Parramatta. You need someone who's just going to lead... And just be an example for everyone else to look at and go, well, fuck, if that bloke's doing that, I've got to get on board. Um, every team needs one, that's for sure. And if not, you need a spade. You need a guy that's just going to take a shit carry and get whacked, put his head where you wouldn't put your hands, like a like a Dale Finucane at clubs or a Josh Jackson's. Everyone needs either that or an absolute nap bag that people can just go, yep, sweet, let's just follow that bloke. Mm. It's, it's a necessity. It's 100% a necessity. And it also comes back to training and gym stuff as well. Those guys are generally the dudes that push your culture in those areas as well or lead by example in those areas. So they're very important. Bill McCutcheon, what's your opinion on Adam Blair's comments on being too focused on his 300th game mark affecting his performance? Being a Warrior fan, it absolutely pisses the hell out of me that he's even near the first grade squad right now and I cannot understand why on earth he was given his contract in the first place. I have no idea. I can't help you. Mate, I think Adam Blair stole the contract a few times, in all honesty. The... The move to the Tigers wasn't his fault. They invested heavily in him, but that was the first real big example of a player leaving the Melbourne system and not being what they're all cracked up to be outside those four walls. I thought he did a great job resurrecting his career at Brisbane. Um, but then, yeah, the fact that the Warriors didn't just take him for a year and gave him a long-term contract kind of dumbfounds me because I don't think the demand was awfully high uh, for, for him. So quite strange. I think you'd agree with that box head. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Russell Harder, when are you boys doing a live episode? Pre-game to Origin... Sponsors on board, tickets sold at fundraisers, guest commentary. Sounds like a top night. And if I had the capability of somehow come up with a way to do a live show or in a venue and if it had the backing, I'd happily Yeah, if there's it. any venues interested, hit us up. Uh, I'm not We're ready. open to ideas. 
with uh, I think more what Brock said before, not making excuses, but just with work and football and everything that's going on, it's it's a lot of time to kind of inquire or look into this kind of thing. I, I'd love nothing more. I still am adamant, and I know I've said it the last few years, and I'm definitely going to do it this year. I absolutely, I know I keep saying it. We are going to watch a game with the fans. We're are gonna, we? We're going to do a Super Saturday. We'll see. We're going to do a Super Saturday. Okay. I thought about the it Panthers might be the go downstairs at the sports bar. Because I thought the Pioneer, but the Pioneer back room, if you get like 15, 20 people, which I'd assume we'd probably get more, it's pretty full. How many? If you, if you, even 15, if, 20? If you had, I'm just saying. I'm not fucking turning up for 15 or oh, 20 I'm just people. saying. I'm turning you, up for a crowd. Exactly. But what I'm saying <laughs> is if you, even if you had a small group, the Pioneer gets full pretty quick. Yeah. So I think the Panthers sports bar, if we do a Super Saturday and say, everyone get here, we're going to be downstairs, let's get scooted and watch three games of football. Super. I think this, the Panthers downstairs area has hundreds of seats. Yeah, that could be a good time. So, yeah, Russell, you've you've given a great idea. If you've got any insight, I think uh, I've seen before from your display picture, you got a microphone in your hand. If if you're into events and this kind of thing, send us some ideas. Give us a heads up. What what are we looking to do, champion? We'll look into it. Justin J. Ferguson. Hopefully, Brock has seen the light and realizes that the sharks oh, are the real deal. Pull it in. Brock loves the sharks. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I love the sharks team. I just don't like their club. Yeah, there you go. Daniel Friend, well done on the 250, fellas. You've improved my footy IQ to no end. After all this time, what's your favourite segment on the show to do? I'll probably just like set of six. No, you fucking love reviews. I love everything. I hate reviews. Brock gets frustrated because I, I never reviews. shut the fuck up about football. And I come oh. in and I say, do you hear this? Did you hear that? And he's like, I don't care. Shut up. I don't care about all the off-field stuff. I love everything to do with football. Yeah, you do. I love footy. Footy's fucking. great. Best segment, bro. I just love when we have random. If a fucking golden retriever walked past you and told you something about someone doing something, you'd fucking tell me about it. Whatever, mate. <laughs> Whatever, mate. What's your favourite segment, dickhead? Favourite segment? Uh, I don't know. Set of six is always good. Uh, gossip, when gossip was coming on and he used to and come we, on lit every now and then, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, we've done a couple of good interviews, I think. Um, yeah. Probably we haven't had as much chance as of more recent again. But I do it. I, yeah, but I think the show has probably matured out of having to need the springboard for um, people to come on and be interviewed. Not not to say that it's not nah, good, but it's good. We, we needed that to build. Um, but it's also, it also is harder than what people think. Yeah. Again, time-wise, like you see some of these pages out there that have people. Well, MG, on. like the connection with MG is basically falling off the face of the earth because we record of an afternoon and his radio shows of an afternoon, afternoon. And so then, it just makes it very hard. Like if we were going to interview MG, a lot of the time we're just talking about footy and talking about what's going on. If we pre-recorded, say, on a Sunday and then put it into our Tuesday podcast, it'd be outdated. Yeah. So that's where the difficulty comes. I think what we're going to have to do is try and catch him when he's on a week off. I think he has maybe one or two week off. two ratings breaks. Yeah, so. during the season. So we've got to grab him there and we can just chat on the day. So, yeah. um, But I think, again, also... But we, we had Buzz on last year. We've had Paul Ken on. Um, we've had some, some, authors, some authors and some books. Yeah, yeah like, it's, it's always good. We've had a few players on, but... We don't, we don't want to be like every other show. We want to give you that analysis. I think we've probably grown into a position where we don't need guests on the show for people to tune in and listen. Because On top of that, I think the bigger part of guests is, like built, you said, I, get, I think we've built a good enough reputation that people go, well, I know, I know what it is and yeah. I either like it or I don't. And if you don't like it, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and like you said before, listen. I've listened to some of the other shows out there and they're funny and they're, they're probably a little bit more towards that side of things. Again, if that's your cup of tea, uh, that's all good. Yeah. I'm all for anyone that's doing rugby league. But yeah, we probably, for some people that listen... 
Just probably sit there and go, these guys are a pair of boring wankers. I only want to talk about the game. Well, unfortunately, that's what we are. That's what we are. Yeah. We're guys who play the game, we coach the game, we love the game, and we, we like delving into every single area of it. And I think on the flip side, like you said, it's more a content thing. Every week when me and you say we'll try and cut it down a little bit, we still end up with two hours after the time we've had a couple of arguments, disagreements, back and forth, so we've gone through everything anyway. Yeah. And then on the side of this, I think of all people, we sit here and probably interact more with fans every single week by answering all your questions, even though some we've done multiple times before. Yeah. We're always happy to answer questions. But Daniel, I reckon just like set of six mainly because I think we get into open chat sometimes where we bring things up that we didn't even start on and we get on some serious rants. So I like set of six. Yeah, and also like you said, when, when when gossip gets lit and things get a bit loose at times, and some funny business happens, funny, and just random buzz moments too, or when we come into random breakouts, like yeah, yeah impersonations, all that sort of stuff. Steve Lambie, the Telegraph reported today that Safidi is a potential bolter for Origin. Who would you guys have in to replace Clamour? Well, we ran through some of those names earlier, but I'm going to wait another week because McLean looked like the guy, and now he's gone. Shane Adard, I'm starting to think the dogs' issues are more so caused by Pay's coaching rather than a lack of cattle. Some questionable selections for the last few weeks. How were an Ira Lockham Lewis, for example, agree or disagree? Oh, I'm not going to disagree. Is he making the argument for leaving them out, saying that no, it's, it's a wrong call to leave them out? Yeah, coaching, were, questioning yeah. pays coaching. Yeah, oh, it's just hard when you're losing every week. You sort of yeah, Harrow and Ira is one of their only strike weapons. I, I, how do you get to the conclusion that you can drop? Like last week, that dumb fan to me. Mm. Like Adam Elliott comes in and does a solid job, but he's not Corey Harrow and Ira. No. Fatala Mariner was iced for like six to eight weeks, came in, made a couple of errors his first game back, and then you still leave Harrower and I out, even though he played well last week. I don't understand. Like they signed him for a couple of years and halfway through a season where he's been one of your only strike weapons working with Kieran Fine, you've iced him to cut. I, I don't know what he's doing. Mm. And then you hear the rumours, obviously, that he's already on the outer, so is he trying to burn the place to the ground? Is he doing the dirt work for them to figure out who's worth it and who's not worth it? I don't know. Lachlan and Lewis, they got injured on the weekend, so I think in that position he has been quite playing okay the last few weeks in cut. But I don't think Cogger's done anything wrong. No. I think Cogger defends well. He's got a solid kicking game. I think Lewis's problem when he was in there, why he came up with some nice moments, he also made some errors as well, and he said it himself on the weekend that he needed to clean up errors, especially around the football. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, mate. I, all, all I, I, I know is I, I think pay. I think all the stuff around pay, like I said before, is where there's smoke, there's fire. I think pay knows. Well and truly that he probably doesn't have a job beyond next year. He's just got held, uh, sorry, caught holding the can, hasn't he, really? Yeah. He's another guy who just looks like he's waiting to be sacked, mm. unfortunately. Daniel Ayalu says, what are some metrics that you guys think should become more common in assessing player and team performance as a game moves forward analytics? I.e. speed of playing the ball for a Cam Murray often quoted. Well, play the ball speed is one. Supports we've talked about before. So genuine supports, guys pushing on the football or being options to pass to. I think tackle effectiveness is another big one. Like, it's one thing when people will go, oh, well, you missed eight tackles or, you know, well, you're effective in contact. Like, you want to be effective in contact, that's for sure. Mm. Anything else? I think post-contact measures is a good one to see, like, how good you are after into contact and out of contact. Are we talking about stats that we use or...? Oh, he's just saying in general, like, what are some metrics which should become more common in assessing player and team performance as the game moves forward? Mm. Play, playable speed is, is a big one. That's one that's getting, yeah, is a big real big push now. Um, both on both sides of the ball, how well you control a tackle and how long you can pinch on the ground and vice versa when you've got the ball, how long or how quickly you can get up. Yeah. Dominant, dominant rucks is another one. Quick play the balls, as you said, like what, what they justify, not only time, but you winning a ruck much the same as you tackled. They, we used to have one when I was at Canberra, same deal. 
you can make 40 tackles, but they put in their ruck wins. Like, if you've dominated a tackle, yeah, they couldn't care if you made 40 tackles. If you lost half of them or didn't win half those rucks, doesn't matter. If you made 20 tackles but won 17 of them, ticks straight yeah. away for winning rucks. They're, they're the kind of things that teams look at. <clears throat> Stephen Moorcroft, out of the players to have played 250 or more games, on the night, who had the best performance in their 250th game? Jesus Christ, that, that's an in-depth question. No idea. I couldn't remember most people's 250. I'd say the best performance would be Joey Johns, but that wouldn't be on the field. That's so, I don't think he made 250, did he? I think he played until about 220, 230. Oh, really? he, he missed a couple of seasons. Surely, Joe, Joey yeah. had the spine, like the bloody the jaw, Spaniel. the neck, the knee. He had a couple of bad injuries, old Joey. It was in the 220s or 230s, I'm pretty sure. Spinal. Quickly check that one up. I don't, I think, don't, he, I don't think he I'm, played 250. I'm checking it up, mate. Have a look. Forest box head, mate. Show him any games you played, mate. To remember all players milestone 250, so that's pretty hard. I have hard. a fucking zero idea. I don't remember most people's 250s. I don't remember I what I did. I can make it up. I can do a Gaznier and just make it up. Can't remember half what I did yesterday, in all honesty. How many did you play? 249 games. Can you no, believe 250, that? Oh, yeah. The other three were episodes. Nailed it. <laughs> 249. I'll tell you what. If they gave Joey a 250th now, I still reckon he'd go all right. Oh, he would. As long as no one hits him in the neck. You can't get him. Stephen, mate, at this point in night, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> it's about a 250. Wow. I'm just going to say the Melbourne guys. I'm going to say Smith. Or Billy Slater. I have no idea if they even won their 250s. I'm going to assume they did. Yeah. But I'll say Cameron Smith because most of his milestone games were, were very, very good. Danny Hughes, hey guys, went to the Roosters Panthers game yesterday. How good was it to have all three grades? NRL seriously need to look to bring this back. Also, just want to get your thoughts on the Joey Manu sin binning when it was a dominant tackle. Cheers. Mate, three grades of football at Penrith is awesome. Yeah. I love going Super. down. Getting schooned nice and early and watching three games, especially if it starts in the sunlight. Sunday, I'll be footy too. How good. Uh, I thought Joey Manu, that tackle was an absolute ripper, but yeah, dominant or not, he definitely laid on too long. You reckon? I thought, I, he did. I, I thought it was a wrong call. It was so a ripper go. shot, though. We disagree. It was a ripper shot, though. I'll give him that. It was a ripper shot. It was mate. a cracker, mate. He absolutely smashed him, boxhead. Kev McCosker, where would you fit Pong into the Australian side if it was picked tomorrow? 14. Anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. He's the ultimate 14. Probably one. Based on right now, they're, 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 they're winning the series. Well, still, I wouldn't be... If they Tedesco. won the series, yeah. And then, he, he offers more value than Tedesco. Yeah. You can't put Tedesco anywhere else. No, that's true. On the bench, though, Ponga can play in the halves. He can play at fullback. We've seen him float around the middle cross. I'd be happy to put him at nine for 20 minutes if you had to. Yeah. As if he wouldn't Probably create something. Him. He's the You've ultimate. converted me, mate. Matty West, well done on the 250. How did you guys meet Wink? <laughs> well, Brock came out of the womb first And then yeah. I came out a couple of years later So we've just been hanging out ever since then basically yeah. I think that's about as simple as that Super. Josh McKay, honest thoughts on Boyd And why he has to retire He's an absolute embarrassment at the game oh dear. Brisbane fans not happy Jeez, They're coming after him Josh, like I said before It's unfortunate long term deal that they've got um, I don't know what they're going to do about it Darius is just getting a chop up tonight if things keep going the way they are who knows they might push in the off season or the end of next year depending on how he goes with a couple of years left to be an ambassador or do something else and try and get him be out be an ambassador who knows Drew Bagatella are the chooks cooked I don't think so bit concerned no. need to go back no no no, no. they're no. fine calm calm right, blue let's ocean. get through those come on we're very close are we but it's the 250th mate we've got to do it for the fans for the fans John Pappas, Ari, Joey, Manu, what are your thoughts? In the type of situation, should the dominant tackle or timing apply? Should the context of the game be considered as it appears to have been? No. Nah. Tackle's a tackle. It's yeah, straight up. We yeah. disagree on it, so there you go. Yes, yeah, we couldn't agree on it. So, Sandy Hunter, 
you absolute legend. So proud of you too. I can honestly say I've listened to every episode. Here's to many more. No doubt. She's a legend. You're an absolute gun, Sandy. Yep. You were right there at the start. I can't even yep. rem- I can't even remember the name of the first podcast site we're on. Do you remember that one? Potomatic. There you go, Potomatic. Potomatic. You picked Potomatic. it. I was gonna say you're around since the Potomatic days. Jesus yep. Christ. Yeah. You're a gun, Sandy. Hopefully Parramatta turned things around. It was starting to look good this year. Yeah, Hopefully my they... wife and daughter feel the same. Yeah, you're getting your poor bloody daughter on the wrong side. She needs to be a disciple. Nice stadium. She needs to be a disciple no. of Bellamy. Yeah. You've got her all wrong. He'll be going by the time she... Brett Moss, why is Dean Poe trying to get himself fired? <laughs> <laughs> Brett, I think, as we've said before, I think Dean already knows he's on the chop block. Well, I think so. the best thing that could happen to Dean Poe at the moment is that he gets fired. Because if they're, if they're not going to allow him to dig him out of this situation now, then fucking jump yeah. off. Oh, I'll just get paid for another year. And... Yeah, fair enough. I, I get it, but... question is, where does he go from here if he gets another job? I, I think he's a he's a good good enough... Coach to get an assistant. I think you'd easily get an assistant gig, but yeah, I don't think I'd be jumping off just yet. Robert Sim, if you could make a custom combo meal from all the takeaway chains, this is all my fault. The food yeah. stuff. What have you done? A big Mac, i.e., a Big Mac, KFC chips, and a Hungry Jack's drink. Oh, combo of all put together. What is it? A Big Mac, KFC like, chips. Com- I just have if it's chips and a drink and something from like different chains all put together. Yeah, okay. I'd have KFC nuggets, KFC gravy, and Red Rooster chips. Red Rooster chips are pretty good, and a um and a double whopper, ultimate double whopper from Hungry Jack. I was going to say my problem is I'm They're an animal. animal. I just have one of everything. Forget the combo, just get me three, four meals. And look, once a year I have a filthy Pizza Hut deep pan pizza Ugh. just to take me back to the slum days. Well, I tell you what, I'm not really big when on. I'm McDonald's. really desperate. I'm not big on McDonald's, so you can fuck that off right away. Yeah, I never eat McDonald's. Chips, oh, but... to tell a lie, actually, of a morning I can double sausage. Yeah, that, that's muffin. different. That breakfast is like Bang, your, your, your only there. choice out of all those ones. Between the chips, KFC, Red Rooster, they're right up there. But the coffee at McDonald's the last two times I've been has been fucking dog shit. A so burger. I like the double. As the old man calls it, a cup of disappointment. Ult- ultimate <laughs> double whopper, bacon and cheese. Bring it on. KFC, give me a zinger box. Give me a bucket. Forget all of it. Just get me a fucking 24-piece. Yeah, yeah. Get it in my face. <laughs> to me, I see, I only eat the breast pieces. Oh, so. you're, a f- you're a bad person. The rest of the bucket. I love KFC. Fuck off. I used to get, there was this tw- there's a $20 one there. I think it's still there. It's the dinner for two, but it's not. You know what I call it? It's dinner it's, for Lou. You know, yeah, it's right. It's the dinner for Lou. I get like eight pieces of chicken, two large chips. I, I eat the whole fucking thing. You're out of control. I'm a disgrace. And then I sit there afterwards going, I've just eaten guns. Three persons daily intakes of food. I've just had it one go. And I feel great. And I don't feel any shame. I think no. you just drink like a litre of coke afterwards oh. and just really soil yourself. And let your body just... Oh, swimming. <laughs> Fermenting like a sugar. heroin addict. And just sitting there going, <laughs> frothing at the mouth. Super. J.D. Burkus, English players that you think could do a job for NRL teams. I think Alex Wormsley and Luke Thompson from St. Helens would tear it up. Wormsley, yeah, interesting. Brock's the English Wormsley, man. I don't know whether Wormsley's got the leg speed to be able to handle it. Thompson's who was, been who was the other one you said? Luke Thompson. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of talk Luke about Thompson. Thompson. I've even I've heard a bit about him. Mm. George Williams is the other one that people talk about, but George Williams' form has been underwhelming for me. So yep. for Canberra, I don't know quite how that's going to work they out. They are Sam struggling, Williams. Wigan. Leeds had a good win actually on the over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So Get, they're sort of back on track. Josh Long, given Brock's love affair with the Sharks, I was wondering what your favourite. I think I hate the Sharks. I don't, I don't hate the Sharks. I just disdain Cronulla for two reasons. Shane Flanagan, I just can't cop the bloke. And the fact that they got a pass, basically, with this salary cap stuff at the start of the year. Like, I know he, he went off because he was been found to be, what, communicating with the club when he wasn't supposed to be communicating with them. And the other person is Paul Gowan. I just can't cop Paul Gowan. There you go. 
and like every time he gets on, um, what's that show? Hundred percent footy. He just talks about himself. Talks about Cronulla. Whole lot of the week. Oh, this Yaggies. It's like fucking shut up. You're, you're a player. Like just be a player. Give an opinion on the game. Don't make it about you. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I I, well, I like the Sharks. I like Bronson Cherry. I think they got. You haven't let him finish yet. Your favourite all-time Sharks player, player. and yeah, your favourite current it. player. All right. Favourite current player, Bronson Cherry. Well, mine's Wade Graham. I love Wade Graham. Oh, Wade Graham as well. I, there's not many Cronulla players that I don't like. Uh, I think Fafita's really grown on me. He was a knob when he first came into grade, Oof. and he's really grown on me. I think even Moylan is, you know, he's a guy when he left plays footy. like, yeah. good. Just play your footy. He's but now he's, footy. he's playing great footy. Uh, there's, not a, there's not a player on Cronulla that I really dislike. I love the back I think Aaron Gray's ordinary. Nakora and bloody Way Grant. Nakora is my new love But my favourite player of all time would be Matty Rogers. Matty Rogers. He went to the Titans and finished off there. Well, I'll tell you what, I wasn't even born when Miller like started playing, but I watched some old games. Mitch Gav, Healy was good Gav too. Gav Miller, I watched some old games. Yeah. He was a gun. Never saw him play. I can understand why. Mitch Healy was a good player, underrated. Good well, you used to record the classic NRL games, didn't you? Yeah, I... I'll I tell you what, if you have Sharks ones with Gavin Miller playing, I can understand now why. To the point where... He got wraps. Foxtel... IQ2 box was full. He was very bloody good. Very bloody good. And special mention to the odd couple front row pairing. Danny Nutley and Beatty. Danny Nutley. I remember the night um, when I was a Roosters fan, uh, while Freddie was still playing, the Roosters played Cronulla in a, I think it was a 4v5 semi-final. It was the old McIntyre system. Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, The Roosters kicked off, and I think it was Chris Beatty got the ball, and Adrian Morley just fucking pummeled him. Like, took him out. Not like he did to um, Robbie Kearns and KO'd him, but he hit Chris Beattie with everything and just absolutely knocked him out. I'm well, still, on YouTube now. That's, that's the most odd couple pairing a front rows ever. Chris Beattie was tall Chris as all Beattie, hell. Chris Beattie, he was an interesting-looking human too. Red as nuts, and he was just a psycho. And Danny Nutley was about five foot tall. They could both play, but... but they both went hard. They, wow. they, that, like, that Sharks culture's existed forever, I think, that hard-ass, like, hard-edge team. Yeah. It's just always kind of been that way. Luke, did Saf as in Safidi get under the Burgess brothers' skin? 100% he did. I thought he really took it to them, put them off their game. Seemed more interested in getting back at him when returning to the field than getting back into the game. I thought this was a big victory for the young prop. Mate, it was huge for Safidi and it was huge for their forward pack. And again, uh, if Sam's going to be a captain and your forward leader, he's got to lead by example and play football. And he, he steered them in the wrong direction the other day. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. Dustin Lane, best odd food combination. E.g. peanut butter and jam, pistachio ice cream, sour cream and sweet chilli. I don't know if I have an odd, odd food combo, to be honest. You got one? I'm, what is it? An, an odd, odd food combo. No. Pistachio really ice cream. I saw... Um, I like pistachio ice cream. I saw pistachio ice cream. Uh, Messina are now making it. I like sour cream and sweet chilli. That's fucking delicious. Yeah, that's outstanding. I'm all about that. Um, I don't really have one of my own. Not really a custom one or something. that. I like, um, like a ham, cheese and tomato... Toasted sandwich with, really uh, with um, pickles. Well, pickles is a little strange for me, but there you go. I throw Fair pickles cool. on them, yeah. I don't really have anything for you, but I, I like most of these things you said, except peanut butter, because I'm anaphylactic. That's death. Mm. Travis McMahon, who do the Tigers need to buy to become a top four threat? Who? Tigers? Tigers. No, that, well, I'll tell you what, with this, like we said earlier, this little rebuild, I, I don't think top four is on the horizon anytime soon, unfortunately. Right now, they need a long-term hooker solution. They also need a long-term half solution. You've got Luke Brooks, but once Benji moves on and Reynolds with his injuries, they're going to be hoping that the young guys they bought with Talao's son and young Jock Madden can come into the four, but they're both only babies at the moment, 19-year-olds, and Talao might be better suited as a centre mm. than a 5'8". So 
Uh, and then you look at the fullback situation. They didn't get down. They clearly don't think it buys the answer. So right now, they're basically back to where they started with only one piece of their spine sword. So I, I can't really nail it down to one recruit, unfortunately, champion. I think that they might end up going through a bit of a rebuilding phase again under Maguire if he gets it the way he wants it. And the last one we've got here. Jay, what are your co- what are the coaching and recruiting options for the Dogs considering pay sacking is imminent? Fans have had enough with the coaching and Anderson board. It's funny how this board came in, took over from the old board and things were going to go ahead in a different direction. They threw a lot of shade at the old board who I, I don't feel any sympathy for because I thought they let a lot of things go. But um, yeah, things haven't been a whole lot better as of yet. Options, Brock, who would oh, you get? Well... If they, it, don't, they don't have a lot of options. If they can't get Flanagan... They need to move players. If they can't get Flanagan and you were going right into the market right now and you had to get somebody brand new or somebody fresh or they, somebody... Are they going to say saying they're going to sack pay now? No. They're going to, I reckon they're running for the extra year because who would take the job? You wouldn't take it. I reckon, no if you got to the back end of next year and you couldn't register Flanagan, if that's their target, there's two guys, Adam O'Brien and you'd go for Justin Holbrook. But would they want that job is the question. Probably not. So they're your two recruits I'd go for if you were going a brand new coach. As far as who's available next year, we don't know. But if they can't register Flanagan and it was going to be a new coach, it'd be Adam O'Brien or Justin Holbrook for me. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Holbrook. I like Holbrook. There you go. They need to get rid of some players. So need to do. Well, most of them are on bugger all anyway. That's the whole point of the situation they're in right now because they're just waiting to free up all the cash to go out and spend a nice big war chest. Mm. So, Yeah. We couldn't tee things up with gossip, unfortunately, which would have been really nice for the 250th, but we're still going to try for next week, just given the way the public holidays have worked out in the work situation, similar to what we said before, Boxhead. Unfortunately, we couldn't share it with old Goss. No. <laughs> we couldn't. Great. <laughs> Great. What are you still looking for YouTube videos? I'm fucking looking for this Chris Beatty here. You've zoned out. I'm, I'm looking for Morley on Chris Beatty. Well, right now, we're going to do our gossip and our tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes out for the best bets. Unfortunately, I think the boys might have been thinking the Roosters backed up their players because they took the Roosters this weekend, minus the start. Didn't come up the goods with that one, but the package is still there. 16 units of profit on the season still up, so get on board with that. Look for the links on our page, the Pro Sports Syndicate. TT, oh, that's what I'm lying about. I was about to give the, the Twitter link then. I can't even think about it now. You can't, mate. It's when late, mate. Done, I'm starting mate. to lose my mind. But the pro sports, you know, look for the links in our page. Look for the best bets. Get on board with the package. If you don't get a profit return on this season, you get next year for free. Good times. Keep your eyes open for the best bet coming up this weekend. But gossip, I think we basically went through everything. It could be available anyway with all the player moving early on. Box said, tips from the week just gone. You got five. Gossip got five. I got three. You suck. I should have followed in on the two upsets that I called. One of them was the Panthers, but I didn't go for it, so... That's my own doing. Well, Best bets. Go, mate. Best bets were back to even. You caught me. Yeah, I know. You got one right. You got your second one wrong. So your first one was the Sharks. I think that was the overs. or the, No, game total on Sharks, wasn't it? Yeah, I got that one up. And your second one was Brisbane, which that went was, down. I had Brisbane Sharks in a multi. Brisbane burned me. And my first one was the Warriors to upset Melbourne, which at halftime looked okay. And then they shit the bed. So <sighs> we're both eight from 26. Danny Nutley. Good, good, good leg speed on Danny Nutley. Oh, we have no lineup, so we're completely shooting into the dark here. But given the situation a week after Origin, their last game heading in, first game of the round we have here is the Thursday night game. It is the Canberra Raiders versus the Cronulla Sharks box head. It's down in Canberra. Uh, I'd assume that there'll be no more inclusions for Canberra. Same side as last week. For the Cronulla Sharks, I'm assuming there's going to be a possible return of Sean Johnson. Oh, yeah, Sharks. I'm also going to go the Sharks down there in Canberra. 
if Canberra win this one, that's huge for them heading into Origin with the week off, with their players going out of their side. But I just think Sharks are a little bit fresher. Uh, they obviously haven't had anyone in Origin besides Morris, and they're riding high. And they've done quite well down there in past years from memory. So this is one yeah, of Yeah, they won a big finals game down there. Yeah, this is a huge game this round. Really looking forward to it. But wouldn't be surprised at all if Canberra went home. This is going to be a cracker game. No. Uh, odds for that one with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.84 for the Raiders, $1.92 for the Sharks. Minus one is the line. 1 to 12 Raiders, 290. 1 to 12 for the Sharks, 305. 13 plus for the Raiders, 433, 475 for the Sharks. Gold Coast Titans versus the Warriors. <sighs> Up on the Gold Coast. From memory in this one, uh, the Warriors just seem to have the wood on the Gold Coast Titans. It always seems to be very, very ugly. These games, regardless of what's going on, and the Warriors seem to get the wood over the Titans box. So. Yeah, they always seem to out physical us. No Ash Taylor, I'm assuming. Again, we don't have lineups because it's bloody Monday. I don't expect any other changes. Proctor apparently fractured that eye socket, so if he's got to be replaced, that means that either Peachy or Cartwright, if they're there, is going to have to push into the starting side, I assume. Mm. So you'd have another new player on the bench. For the Warriors, as far as changes, I can't remember any injuries from the other day. I think Sarte was looking like he was going to be getting fined or suspended. So they're possibly going to have one forward change in their team, but that line's that line's flipped as well in the last flip a coin half an hour. I, I'd love to sit you guys at home. It but was I'm... Titans favourites, but the money's come for the Warriors. Uh, no, I'll, I'll tip the Warriors. Mm. I think... the, the, the only kryptonite there is the Warriors travelling, but they're going to get a in South Queensland. There's a huge new, uh, Kiwi population. They'll get as many New Zealand Warriors fans in the stadium as what they will Titans fans. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. I'm going it's to like st- whenever the Warriors play in Brisbane, they always get a huge Kiwi crowd there. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Warriors as well, not with a whole lot of confidence. Um, oh, zero confidence. Just, I, I think if the Titans get things right like they did last week, that Tyron Roberts, AJ Brimson, some of those smaller players could get some love playing at the edges, but they have to win the middle. Yeah. And the one thing that worries me a lot about the Titans is week to week backing up the middle performance, and in particular the way Ignatius Pass has been playing and the offloads he's getting in the second phase. If he offloads five or six, he'll got six on the weekend, even in that loss. Yeah. If he offloads like that against you guys, I don't think you guys... We're going to win the middle. You're nowhere near as sound around the Ruck as Melbourne Storm or on the top side, so that's the concern. Odds in that one with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.90 for the Titans, $1.86 for the Warriors, minus one the line on the Warriors side, 1 to 12 Titans, 305, 290 for the Warriors, 13 plus Titans, 475, 433 for the Warriors. Uh, Second Friday night game, Cowboys-Tigers up there in North Queensland. This is a really awkward game again because for the North Queensland yeah. side of things, the spine probably stays the same as last week. So I'm assuming Morgan still plays fullback. Halves of Clifford and Asiata don't have a problem with that. Uh, but losing McLean hurts. And then have Mitch Dunn go down, who was filling in the centres, doing a really, really good job. They're probably going to have to push Jarvis Bowen or someone in and reshuffle the back line. They're going to have to find another front rower. So you're going to talk about Jensen and Molo probably picking up some minutes and then adding someone else to your bench. So... Difficult, but then you've got the Tigers who are going through what we spoke about, a bit of a, a change up in the club. I have no idea who he's going to pick this week. Will he give an extra opportunity to a Taylor or a Packer or any of these guys at any point in time or a Josh Reynolds? I don't know. Mm. Does he pick the same 17 again and rely on Twal and Aloy and a couple of the younger guys that he's banking on for his future? I, I honestly would still borderline tip the Cowboys purely being at home and just thinking I'm going to get the right attitude and effort, not knowing what I'm going yeah, to get I'm, out I'm of going the Tigers. So. I, I don't know what to make of the Tigers at the moment. I think McLean's a huge loss, but again, Tamalolo alone being up there is almost enough for me to want to tip the Cowboys and the Tigers. Yeah, there's too much going on. I hope we do see a better effort and some of the better efforts we saw at the start of the year when they were digging in, but 
There's a lot going on at the club. Um, it's a difficult period for them right now. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar fifty-eight, very short. I thought uh, to start off with the North Queensland Cowboys, two thirty-five for the Tigers, minus four and a half the line. One to twelve Cowboys, two eighty-five, three seventy for the Tigers. Thirteen plus Cowboys, three dollars and six twenty-five for the Tigers. Absolute cracker game, first one on Saturday. And in all honesty, I told my missus I wanted to fly down for this game. I'm still thinking about doing it. It's Storm Nights in Melbourne. You're an idiot. <laughs> Would you fly down? Maybe I can that? call cousin Gary and we can meet up. Yeah, have a schoonami together. Oh, he'd of, be up for it. A couple of Suliasi schoonavalus. What do you reckon? He'd be up for it. Oh yes, uh, Melbourne Storm in this one. I'm assuming that I'm praying, in all honesty, that Brody Croft is out of our side this week. I don't think they're going to do what I want and put drink water in. But again, I'm not giving a spine piece away without trying it out. So I'd love to think that we would try fit all those guys in. But I'd expect this week that Hughes will be in the halves. Uh, with Munster and Pappenhausen be playing at the back. The change up on the bench as far as adding a player back in, I'd love to see that Tino play, that young fella I've been talking about. Give Tino a debut, or if not, Albert Vete's back from injury. He's another big body. Get him in the tight rotation, rolling off the bench there. Uh, one of those two guys. But Newcastle, they're riding high. They've got no David Clammer. They've been playing good football. But going down to Melbourne, it's a real test. I'm going to stick with the Storm at home. But I reckon this will be a cracker game, Boxer. Storm. But I reckon the line is too much. Yep, I agree with you there. And with the Pro Sports Centre, get Melbourne, a dollar thirty-six. Very short to start with at home. The Newcastle Knights, three dollars. The line, eight and a half, if you like it, like Boxhead does. The Storm, one to twelve, three dollars, four seventy-five for the Knights. Thirteen plus for the Storm, two twenty-five, eight dollars for the Knights. South versus the Panthers, five thirty Saturday. South Sydney, as I said before, uh, Reynolds definitely won't be back. I don't know what Walker's status is. The other three Origin players will be back on board. Still, I'm going to assume no Turner. I don't know about Johnston. Definitely no Burns. So there's plenty of players missing. And Sam had shoulder surgery and Tom has an ankle injury. Mm. So there's plenty of players I'm going to assume are not going to be playing. So it's going to be a big ask for the Panthers. Don't know who's going to be playing. Don't know who's going to be in, out. Uh, Now that they've upgraded a couple of those players that we saw last week, I'm assuming that Kenny and Egan will be the hooker rotation. You'll still have Campbell Gillard. Tarmow, Yo possibly has to fill into the centres. I don't know if Naden will be forced back out now, as we spoke about. It will about, be interesting, yeah. Because I think Malachi is available now and he's part of the top 30, so can they get dispensation this week? I don't know. Well, they, uh, shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to get dispensation. I'm going to tip the pants, because I just think if... I'm tipping South. If Tom and Sam are both out, and Reynolds doesn't play, if Walker's on his own, and Tracy went off last week. Did you see what happened to Connor Tracy? No. I don't know if he got injured or they hooked him. I didn't see what happened in the context of the game and nothing was said. But if Johnston burns a bunch of these guys don't play and you take two forwards out, I think Penrith are getting a bit of a free show. A bit of a free run. They're getting again. a nice little run, Penrith. So aren't they? it's come together nicely. Like they had the dog fight with the Eels, they had the dog fight with Manly, and then they've got two of the big wigs two weeks in a row weakened. So I think this week, if they're at training and they're dead set, like I'd be absolutely amped up if I was a Panthers player. And if I'm Ivan Clear, I'm putting all my focus because, again, Heading into Origin, if you grab this win and have a weekend off and possibly get back to the drawing board and string four together in a row, in particular taking these two scalps weakened, yeah, that's just free wins to get back to come some of the shit losses you had at the start of the year, really. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a whole lot of confidence, but I'm going to back the upset. I should have done it last week. It'll probably burn me this week. But the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.46 for South. The Penrith Panthers, two sixty five minus 6 is the line. 1 to 12 South, 290, 390 for the Panthers. 13 plus for South is 275, 675 for the Panthers. Parramatta versus the Broncos. 
I assume, again, Matt Gillette back on board. Corey Oates off Gowie won't be with that leg injury, but those two back on board makes a big difference. Gillette tightens up an edge. Oates, massive for set starts, but Tommy did. That's a big loss. Massive loss. Like I said, you just you saw the difference in everything. Playing off the nine, him getting them playing over the advantage line, the toughness he brought to defence, freeing up Milford to pick and choose his moments. The word is Sean O'Sullivan, from what I read today, will get his first opportunity to come in. Because yeah. obviously Nicarim is gone now, so they don't really have a lot of options in that situation. Hard game, but given Parramatta's at Bank West and the way they've been playing, I'd like to say Parramatta, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give the Broncos, Broncos. a reprieve of what they've been doing. And most people probably listen to that right now going, as Lewis about to drop his brain out his fucking ear because he's about to tip Parramatta from what he's seen. But I'm sticking with the Broncos. But the loss of Dearden is massively understated, I think. Mm. I think that was a huge loss on the weekend and it showed in the way they played. They lost control. The organisation was taken away. That was the big difference of him being there. That and his defensive lead. They really got on the back of him defensively. Huge week for Lodge if he is in the running. Huge week. Yeah, massive. Um, Haas again as well to stand up those two to really lay a platform here and help out Milford. And if if O'Sullivan gets a chance here, from all the murmurs that he wasn't really favoured or he wasn't looked at by the coach, he's got a real chance here to prove a point because it was taught the Cowboys were looking at him as a possible option to go up there at the back end of the season. So he's got a chance to prove a point to Seabold and he's also got a chance to advertise himself to clubs again after leaving the Roosters. So... Both on the Broncos, and they are the outsiders at a dollar ninety-six. Parramatta, the favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate, at dollar eighty. Minus one is the line. One to twelve Eels, two ninety-three oh five for the Broncos. Thirteen plus four thirty-three through the Eels, four seventy-five for the Broncos. Oh, where are we up to? Manly Dragons. This should be a good game. Uh, it had a bit of spite last time. Bit of a bitter ending at uh, Wollongong, yeah, and they're dude. playing heading into Origin with the old escort, wasn't it? Yep, Manly riding high. Tommy, can he get through a game and look a bit healthy this week and clean up those errors? They've got DC back on board. They've got Jake. That's three big ins. You got Farnu last week. They were able to swap Walker back to the left hand side, put Sully on the right. Desi's been getting the best out of him as well. Um, their front row combination is outstanding. Two good hookers, edge back rowers, even Siren and Thompson. Everyone's playing exceptional for Manly, so. Exceptional. Hard to go past Manly at Manly. The Dragons, I don't know if there's going to be any players brought back in after today. You'd think they'd stick with the same 17 heading into the origin period. Uh, Lafay, James Graham still out for a bit. I'm going to tip Manly at home, but it's this This is going to be a great game. No, I only have the Dragons. You on the Dragons? Yeah. I like what I saw today with Norman in particular because that frees up Hunt, gets him to pick and choose his moments. McInnes thought the forwards are very, very good, but... Yeah, I think Manly at Manly. Um, I think this had a bit of spite to it from what happened last time, but I'm looking forward to this game as well. Another crack on this round with the Pro Sports Syndicate at dollar fifty-five. Are Manly two forty for the Dragons box set? So good value for you there. Minus four and a half the line. One to twelve for the Eagles. Two eighty-five, three seventy for the Dragons. Thirteen plus for Manly. Three dollars six twenty-five for the Dragons. What time is that? That's a Sunday two o'clock. Sunday game. two, and the last game of the round: the Roosters versus the Dogs. Roosters, you're assuming you're going to get Latrell Mitchell back this weekend. Uh, Luke Keary, obviously, still going to be missing. Jadbury Hargraves, I'm pretty sure that was a two-week suspension, so he's got another week to go. Uh, a couple other players back on board, I guess. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who runs out for the Roosters, but the good thing is... I'm still going to tip around. the Roosters. Cause yeah, Roosters. From what you saw against Penrith, I'd still think that side beats the Bulldogs. And for the Bulldogs... They'll have Dallin in this week. I don't know if he'll bring Harawira and Ira back. Lewis got injured in Cup on the weekend. I don't know if he's going to be available. I just think they've kind of hit that hard part of the season where it's getting harder and harder to get up for games. Uh-huh. Yeah. They may find a game or two where they get up and jag a result, but 
I think the Roosters and Robinson this week, this is a must-win heading into Origin for them, I think. Good chance if those young guys are playing, get us a result, get us another win to kind of push us back into the fall. Week's worth of rest for Kiri. Jared comes back the week after, anyone else, and then they'll try and kick on to in between that last game and then maybe have another couple of quiet weeks and build nicely into the back end of the mm-hmm. season. So Roosters, the Pro Sports Syndicate, Dollar twenty one favorites four fifteen the dogs minus twelve the line one to twelve roosters two ninety five twenty five dogs thirteen plus roosters two dollars thirteen dollars for the bulldogs best bets Brock are you, are you going to be able to pick a best bet given where we're at with no teams yeah I'm going to go dragons as one of mine and so the broncos go dragons head to head at two forty yeah and the broncos and you're going to take the broncos two outsiders. Dollar ninety six. All right. What odds have I got? What have I got? I'm going to take the Sharks to beat Canberra. Yeah. I was going to say I'll take minus the start, but they're actually getting the start, even though it's in Canberra. So in that case, I'm going to go one to twelve at three oh five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my first one. And a second game. Mm. Some hard ones to pick this week. As far as there is, mate. What's as far as what's been offered, Brock? You know, there's some tough ones to pick, mate. Well, I, I tipped them, so I'm going to have to back them, even though I have zero confidence. I'm going to go the Panthers one to twelve as well. That may seem insane and sounds yeah, rock up, but the Panthers at three ninety. I'm going to be a loose on Monday with no lineups, no idea what's going on. I'm half asleep. Good times. Come on, the pennies. They're not going to get a better opportunity like they did last well, week. Not, no. So I'm going to go a dirty, ugly, close win with Tom, Sam, Reynolds out of the side. Mm-hmm. But no doubt we'll probably be here next week talking about Damian Cook cutting them to pieces to the middle of the field. But let's wait and see. <sighs> Big thank you goes to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes out for those best bets. Get on board with the package. The offer for fifth and last fans is there. Look out uh, for that as we put the links up on the page. Best bets, keep you posted on the results. 16 profits, uh, 16 units of profit on this season. And if they don't turn a profit over, you get the package free next year. Penrose Solar Centre, as we've said many times before, we're both on board. So as our old man, good time to get on board. www.penrosesolar.com.au, 820 And then our thank yous in episode 250. Oh, yeah, baby. Again, uh, Brock, in all seriousness, Massive thank you, thank you very much. Because I thank you, thank, I, thank you very much. I honestly, though, I didn't, I don't get to do this unless you jump on board at the start and cop this year bashing every week. I inconvenience your schedule. You're trying to cook and help out your baby oh, and do good. footy and do everything else, and then you've got your dropkick brother coming over every week with his backpack, uh, eating your food, setting up, drinking your drinks. I'm times. a pain in the ass. It's good times. Um, but yeah, wouldn't have it anyway. The other way, it's good. Great time of the week. Always my favourite time of the week because it basically just means we get to hang out and talk shit. Right. And watch 360 and impersonate Buzz, so that's a great that's time what as well. Doing, We'd sit there afterwards and we watch Buzz and we make comments. I like, haven't eaten tonight. I, I didn't feel like eating before. You're out of control. I'm always so hungry. It's now quarter to ten. I'm going to eat my dinner right now. He didn't get to come on tonight. We'll hopefully get him next week. But we have to thank Mr. Gossip Keep again. Doing. He came on board year number one when we we're looking for that segment, get some inside information, someone to also just bring a bit of different flavour. And on top of that, he turned out to be a fucking champion bloke. So. He's a legend. Uh, worked out really, really well. Wherever you are out there, champion, if you listen this week, you're an absolute legend. We love you. Um, and he shared an interesting fact. I, I, th- I don't think you'll mind us sharing yeah. this on the show. 
the after his um his dear father passed away, the Knights have and his dad's a mad Knights fan. They've they've won six in a row. Yeah, literally so the week the week of his passing, six weeks since the passing, six How in good. a row. So no, no offense, Bobby Gossip, but I'm fighting you this week for the Storm to beat Newcastle. Yeah. You're yeah. fighting against the... I'm fighting against God. <laughs> An element you cannot control, my friend. And then I think uh, MG, as we said before, uh, we had a relationship well before we started doing this from growing up and then coaching, etc. and yeah. coming friends. But he also goes... I used to live a papers to MG's place. Yeah, and I did the paper run after you when you didn't want to quit, so you palmed off to me knowing that they'd fire me in good time because nah, I was too young. Like, <laughs> they're just dogs. And then, uh, you know, he gave us a bit of a platform early on, gave us a bit of help. Paul Kent, those guys as well that have all come on and given us a hand. But, yeah, MJ and Gossip in particular were there from day one. And most importantly, the fiends. The fiends. All the listeners who got on board early doors. There are a couple of young bloods just talking shit about rugby league. Um, we're glad that you enjoy the show. You're the reason we do this every single week. And uh, you're the reason we keep turning up every year. Life gets busier. Things change. But uh, you're the one constant and the reason why we keep doing this show. Because people love keep listening. Keep sharing. Keep pumping up. There's too many people that are going, oh, I've only just come across you. So you mofos that are listening, yeah. start tipping some people up. That's one thing I will take a shot at all you bastards <laughs> for right now at 2.50. You're going to take a shot. I see all these other podcasts and they've got nutbags on Twitter and Facebook and people sharing and retweeting and, and shouting it out. Give us a shout out. I know, I know we're the quieter... We are quite more, more humble, cons- more constructive one, and you know we're not really into slanging and doing other bits and pieces. It's generally straight up football, but spread the word. Get onto iTunes, share us on Facebook, share us on Twitter, rate us, review us. But most importantly, as I said before, we just thank you for sticking with us and helping us grow. The more this keeps growing, we're going to keep doing it. We're always going to find time. We're always going to find room, and it doesn't happen without all of you. So, two hundred and fifty in the bag, and hopefully many more to come. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.